certain I can beat you. Yo, 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 welcome to Crate 808. And today we thought we'd give you a little bit of a peek at what's going on on our Patreon. Now, that's our little project over there where you can go and help support the show for as little as buying us lunch. Once a month, you get an abundance of hours of rap nerd chat. And today we're having a little look at what we've been doing at the Wu-Tang Chronicles, a series where we go through every solo member's discography. And uh, we've done Ghostface Killer, we've done Raekwon, we've done OD. B. and now we are fully into our jizzer the genius canon and here's a little sneak peek man on what we've been talking about of course we have to kick it off with liquid swords our album review of that amazing classic but we also go into the growth of the woo into the noughties talking about jizzer's legacy himself how he helped imprint a whole new underground movement in hip-hop with pro tools and his work with dj mugs and on top of all of that we have a stellar cast of people rotating chair we have had fat boy sharif mighty healthy sun raw tokyo cigar dano we have had an abundance of wu-tang avengers come in for these woo chats so yes patreon.com slash cray 808 to help support the show get access to all these episodes and we do one a month as well as well as mf doom series as well as reviewing all old albums yeah man we are on it so yes check this out if you enjoy it patreon.com slash cray 808 Pulled out, round them off to the nearest third. Check these non-visual niggas with tapes in the portrait. Flood the seminar trying to orbit this corporate in the street. But what them niggas can't see must break through like the woo unexpectedly. Protect your neck, my sword still remains imperial. Before I blast the mic, Rizzo scratch off the cereal. We rain all year round from June to June. Why niggas bite immediately if not soon? Set the lynching and form the execution date as this 2000 beyond slang suffocate. I remember like listening to like the radio and shit though like right after like cuba links had dropped and like you know like back then and shit though like an album drop you live with that bitch for like a year or two and shit though so this was like a couple of months after cuba links had fucked my life up so i'm just listening to like the radio and shit though the next thing you know the song liquid stores just drops and shit though and i remember just listening to that song and then just going crazy because i'm listening to some like i remember just listening to it laughing to myself shaking my head and just saying like this is too much because you know <laughs> Cuban links are just dropped, so you're just trying to wrap your head around that. The next thing you know, it's like, these dudes are still dropping. What the fuck is all this? And everything. And everything was just at this level that you never really heard before. But also, as time had gone on and shit, though, like, it was almost like only other person, I think, like, was kind of, like, on the same wavelength with this was probably DMX. To where, like, you end up just, like, seeing, like, because when they dropped in 95, this was, like, the next level futuristic shit. But even if you listen to a song like the actual title track, like when the MCs came, live out their name. Mm. Listen to that shit. It's also like, wait, this isn't even some old school rap. This is some old school routines type shit, though. And I mean, like, this is probably not even 80s hip hop. It's probably some shit that they just listened to in the 70s or some shit, though. Know what I mean? Mm. How, like, they kind of combined, like, the whole futuristic aspect with that back, back, back in the days aspect to it. And also the thing about the production on this. I was having a conversation with somebody and they actually like broke down and they said like um, Liquid Swords was an album that even though it's a purely 500% hip hop album, they said like a lot of heavy metal motherfuckers that they swear by this album. And then you go back to listen to like what RZA was like doing this shit though. There was like a lot of heavy, heavy guitar sound, shit like gold, fourth chamber and like to where like sonically it's 
as heavy as a heavy metal thing, but at the same time, it is 500% hip hop, like nothing else is shit though, know what I mean? But it was almost the sort of thing, like you listen to the sort of energy that like it had, it it was kind of just like a blending of like a lot of different worlds together, just in the one world and shit though, on like, on just on the album and shit though. So that's definitely like something like I took away from, from it because um there was this one chick, she was the singer of like, think of like a, of like a metal band or something. Mm. And we interviewed her on like MTV. And fuck if I remember like the name, so pardon me and shit though. But I remember just watching it and shit though. Then they were like, um, yo, so what's your favorite album of all time? And then she said, Oh, yo, that's easy, like Jizzle, Liquid Swords. And this is like a chick that like was the lead singer of a heavy metal band and shit though, and everything. I mean, and like mm. even like um a personal note, I was hanging out with like my little sister this one time. She all driving, so she's way younger and shit though, and everything. That she, she had a little iPod and shit though, just on shuffle. So we up in the whip. The next, you know, gold comes on. I'm like, what the fuck is all about this shit? She's like, <laughs> this shit though. So like, yeah, and like, she's so a hard. super metalhead. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she like she yeah. took me to my first metal show and everything and shit. But she loved gold. Like that was her shit. Like she mm-hmm. loved gold. Like I'm saying. So the way like this album just kind of continued on with like RZA plans of just like bringing different worlds together. This was definitely like the one, like it's a super hip hop album, but it had like a lot of appeal to like, you know, rockheads and shit, though. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Probably in the way, probably, I might be fucking it up, but probably not since Rick, uh, Rick Rubin era and shit, though, you know what I mean? Like, you know, with that sort of vibe and shit, though, too, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Wonder, I wonder if Ice T, I think Ice T might have had a bit of a oh, dip into the rock. rock. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. A little bit. I, I wanted to build on that point, uh, Cam. So when I was teaching my son about like music genres mm. uh, and I was like punk and metal, they're both heavy. They're both aggressive, but the difference is speed, right? Mm. Like the difference is that punk is attacking you with its speed mm. and metal is a slow thumping heaviness. That is like a monster attacking you. Yeah. Oh, wow. And okay. that is exactly what this album sounds like. Like this album isn't fast at all like it's slow and thumping and scary and nobody would have let anybody do anything like this like he had to do this himself you mm. know um, this this was just innovative for what for the time it was even put out uh, that's a good word for it innovative I just want to talk about RZA at this point and especially for you producers out there just where he was at this point like what he bought different to this that he did to the other stuff but one thing I just wanted to point out before we move on uh, one thing I have grown up with this album and I've realised the depth to it is the re-listenable thing is what you just said Sharif it's just layered so you're getting lots of different things all the time and then the other thing is I realise there's no sexual tone really to this album there's a few bars like the sandals are feminine and shit like that but there's no actual just a, it's like Rakim and sex I can't imagine it I can't really imagine them ever being on a that shouldn't ever be on a track and it's like this is the same thing and I think um, one thing I have thought about as this gets older and I've, I love Cuban Links I love Iron Man Supreme Cell. I would say this is in the top five who woo solos easy it was my favourite as a kid um but this is, you know, the idea of the woo and what they were when they came out with Cuba links, took it somewhere else. Tikal took it somewhere else. 36 definitely took it somewhere else. It returned to 36, took it somewhere else. This album is more centered around the ethos or ethos of the Wu-Tang clan. Like first of all, every member's on here. Then you've got like 
everyone leaned into that personality of an MC and themes that were away from the woo, like, you know, the 5% ideology and the clan being together. And Jizza was strictly about the woo ethos. And that is the, the panoramic scale of that ethos is on this before Wu-Tang Forever. I think this is the album that you get pure. What was it? One of you said 500% hip hop. This is 500% woo. Like this is the most Wu-Tang, like you said as well, Dan, it sounds like the most Wu-Tang thing. But Rizza on here then, Mighty healthy. Tell me, what, what is he doing on here that you think he's not getting anywhere else? Or what do you think special? I would say out of out of that entire, the entire like 93 to 97 run, like this was the most um, world building Rizza has done on a project. Mm. Um, like even, you know, like for example, like this is, and it's also the one where he's leaned most into like the martial arts kung fu flick kind of territory, mm -hmm. um, which I think complements uh, just uh, like the best, and um, just just like just little things like the having like wind in the background, like I definitely took yeah. that from this album. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, love that. Just pick. having like weird like piercing sounds and like having this kind of consistent backdrop even you know even throughout like different beats and stuff but still having like a cohesive uh backdrop and it's you know it, it's another one of those albums that like it tells a story without really telling one mm. um so yeah i would say like this album is like the most it's like the most rizza produced album if that makes sense do you think when you yeah. say that do you reckon you could put the instrumentals on no lyrics and just that's a story, isn't it? You could hear it front to back, that instrumental album. And really, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you can just. And, yeah. and, and yeah. also, another thing to remember, like, I, I don't remember how many tracks Cuban Links was, but like, it's it's kind of interesting how like lean this album is also. Mm. Like, if you don't even include Bible, it's 12 joints, which like Cuban Links was like, what, 20? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, funny, yeah, isn't it? I wonder why that is. But the mastering on here, I'm not sure if I'm not very, my ear isn't as tuned as some, but I thought just as a kid, I thought this had the, like, you know, the timeless element of, of, of music. Obviously it's how it can be mastered. All Eyes on Me will always, always, always bump because it's just incredibly well mastered and DJ Quick was involved. But like this, I think on, apart from Swordsman, I, I do this to Swordsman now, and that's just, I don't know if he meaningfully made it so swampy, but that beat just sounds like fog. It actually sounds like fog. Yeah. And uh, I think that, uh, but also it's got some great lyrics on there as well. But Swordsman is the only one that I think hasn't got that um, clean thump, you know, that thump hitting you in between the chest. I'm certain I can beat you. Cuban Lynx is definitely a story, but it's not necessarily Riz's story, right? Like Ghost and yeah. and Ray worked out that world, uh, also. So, mm. um, the you know, he was he was trying to give voice to how otherworldly they were, right? Mm. Uh, whereas he really does build this, like he really does build this, and Jizza fills it, you know, uh, and Jizza wants this to be a Wu-Tang album. Mm. So everyone's on here. Everyone's killing it. You know, uh, Method Man sounds amazing. Oh, some uh, of the best meth, isn't it? Some of the best meth. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ghost yeah. And, and Ray, everybody's on here. Everybody's destroying. RZA has stuff on it versus, and like he wanted, he wanted you to hear everything about the Wu in this album. 
because he know he knew at that time what we're doing is unprecedented. You know what I mean? He, we have more great MCs than anyone else, and we have the ability to have them on every album, mm. like and have no outside features and have loaded features. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, plus one thing about the album too is just like I remember in um, certain interviews and shit though, like um, like that shit that they had on like MT on MTV when Forever was about to drop, and RZA was talking about how like he had the most control on Jizz's album because he fucked around and said like, "Yo, Jizz heard his album when that shit was finished." Right. And, like it was on some like you know, I mean, just come through, do your vocals. I right, you good. I right, get the fuck out. Cool. Then like it's on some like, "Yo, can I hear? Uh, yo, can I hear the album later? Later." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And I can't imagine what that must have been like after he lays down his vocals, then Riz just plays him everything from start to middle to end. And then just what that must have been like, like his stuff, though, because sonically, like what he was doing and shit, though, I think like Cuban Links was more purposefully like cinematic. But like with what Mighty Healthy said about world building, that definitely was that was definitely very heavy on like this album and stuff, though. And like it's almost like I think like. The next album after this was one like, because I still think that Iron Man is the one album that you had every aspect of RZA on one album and shit, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that like with this, it's like you kind of seeing seen like stuff that would eventually, I think, lead to like the Bobby Digital stuff. Because apart from the sampling, he was also using just like a lot of keyboards, just like a lot of Simpsons stuff up and everything. And he kind of was bringing that in because like he was saying stuff like... um. Killer Hill is one of three or four with the ten 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 ten. Now that's all sense, but then he'll add the drums to it and shit though. But even his sampling game on this album was fucking crazy because um somebody on YouTube, this dude called um Cat's Eye, on his page he had this one little YouTube short and shit though where like he broke down how RZA took the same fucking song um the same sample from like um Liquid Swords is the same underlying sample behind Fourth Chamber. And the dude just kind of demonstrated how RZA just took that same exact sample and stuff, though. But then he flipped it. And then in some, in like Liquid Source, he looped it. Just on some, okay, yo, this is a loop. Yo, it's crazy. But then in Fourth Chamber, he chopped a section of it. Because I think like this album probably as a producer probably has RZA's most impressive layering. How like he'll take different sounds and then just like put them on top of each other just to have sounds like come in, just come in and out. Because one song is not, it may not be the most heralded song on the album but it's one of my favorites so that shit go i had to connect across seals to catch more mills than whole bitches got birth control pills i'm in the park setting up a deal over blunt fire bum nigga sleeping on the bench they had him wired peep my convo the address of my condo and how i changed a nigga named the john doe and while he set up camp he got damped with the snake through his heart i ripped his fucking things apart snake got smoked on the set like brandon lee blown out the frame like pan am flight 103 he got swung on, his lungs was torn The kingpin just castled with his rope and lost the pawn A regular on the block, the plate looked out For playing predator with a Glock, he should've took out No neighborhood is rough enough There is no clip that's full enough I can't fold, I need gold, I re-up and reload Product must be sold to guilt Cause you hear the way like, it just like, it drops You're the But then hear, 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 hear a little synth that's on top and then these little horn stabs that just pop in at like random intervals and shit and everything, though. And then it's just, it's just like that, like he made that shit sound like, I don't know, like you wake up one morning, you look out the window, and then you just see God and Satan fighting for control <laughs> of the earth. Like, you know, then they saw somebody, oh, okay, this makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> now, I mean, that's kind of like Sonic Rizzo was doing with the joint and shit and everything. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's almost like, 
and again, and again, I mean, we talk about this when we talk about different joints and stuff, though, how Rizzo was able just to kind of really just fit his production towards each album. Mm. With this one, it was very... Because that's also a good point that you made about the mastering, because it's cleaner than Cuban Links and everything else that came before it. Not as clean as Iron Man and Forever, mm. but it definitely was that middle point and shit, though, to where everything was sonically just clean and leveled out and shit though but it still had that muddiness to like the bangs like, like i'm saying yeah. mm-hmm. and then Rizzo was just kind of just in that whole you know just building his shit though and anything and then that shogun assassin thing the way that he took <laughs> that he kind of really just let that build its own theme because even on some of the themes on on like cuban links like you know what i mean he kind of have the musical motif like running through but some of that that stuff you'll hear Ray and Ghost, that's in the background and shit, and they they just want somebody, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But with this one, he will just let it play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they only had the occasional skit, like where they had um fucking up. Uh, oh, the drug dealer thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you have the cash, twenty thousand dollars. So we so agreed about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy thing about that. I found out that that was dude um fucking um sh fernando they used to write for the source and all that stuff though and it turns out that he was the same dude that did the skit on grave diggers for diary of a madman he played oh. the fucking lord oh like what the fuck you said word i mean that she was crazy i mean what? oh i did not know that i did not know that because that dropping gems yeah, love it thing and shit though i mean that she was crazy and shit i mean word because oh. um i did a podcast with him where we're talking about the old dirty bastard album and shit and everything. And that's when I found out this shit. Now I mean, word, yeah, oh, crazy, amazing, amazing. Yo, yo, yo! Just interrupting this episode to hit you up about our Patreon, a place where you can support the show, get even more dope rap chat from us, help us grow, and bring more of this rap nerdiness for your ears. Check out Patreon.com or Crate808.com for hours and hours worth of bonus monthly episodes for as little as buying the crew lunch every month you have got on there a stacked Wu-Tang Clan series going through every single solo members catalogue from Ghostface Killer and Raekwon all the way to Jizza and ODB and honestly it's some of the best rap discussion on the Wu out there so do peep that also once a month we bring you episodes on MF Doom and Jade Zilla as well as reviews on Naughty's classics like Deltron 3030, Still Stankonia, The Ecstatic, and so many more. We even dig back into the 90s rap golden era and unearth some hidden gems that deserve more love. Big up the likes of Diamond D, The Lynch Mob, Godfather Don, Funk Dubious, and more. Also, whilst we're here, we want to ask one more favour from you. If you could please rate and review the show on any podcast platform and also vote on the polls on Spotify if you scroll down from the episode description. It all helps us grow. Also, you can subscribe now via Spotify or apple so please do click subscribe as well and another thing check out our spotify playlist it's in the show notes our favorite current songs are all there for you so please get involved in any way you can and help us grow this show now let's get back to the regular programming fourth chamber is like it's a jizz solo joint but it's one of the most definitive wu-tang tracks ever the banks of g all cream downs are back money feet good opposite soft the set it ain't hard to see my c's need guard degree i got mouths to feed unnecessary beef is more cows to breed i'm on some tax-free shit by any means whether bound to hit scheme or some counterfeit 
cream. I learned much from such swift cons to run scams. Veterans got the game spiced like ham, and from that, sons are born and guns are drawn. Clips are fully loaded, and then blood floods the lawn. Discipline, that reaction was a fraction of strength that made me truncate the length one tenth. With the stump, tweeters hiss like air pumps. Rizzo shaped the track, niggas caught razor bumps. Scar trying to figure who invented this unprecedented opium scented, dark tinted. Because, like, you had like that kind of combination between everyone and shit, you know what I'm saying? And plus, plus, I don't know, plus, we gotta discuss this real quick. I mean, Jizza killed it, but I want to see y'all's opinion about this because I do feel like there were some tracks that they kind of got Jizza on because, like, I'm not gonna front fourth chamber, he killed it. Like, Rizzo shaved the track, niggas caught razor bumps, Oops. but mm. we all know, like, at the end of the day, the fourth chamber joint is like, why is this, like, why is the sky blue? Dude. Like, why is while Jesus slept, and also, like, Rizzo, like, camouflage chameleon, yeah, yeah, they're just getting the building, yeah. Nothing. And like it was almost like with the whole thing about how like you kind of just bro a solo joint was one of those joints that kind of highlighted how strong they were just as a unit mm. and everything. Then you, all of them just like going back and forth, 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 forth and everything though too. And then like because I felt like Jizza slaughtered everything except for two cases where they kind of got him, in my opinion, and shit. Now, you know, I want to see what everyone else thinks because I think like and ironically, this was the same fucking video and shit though. Fourth chamber and shadow boxing. Oh, shadow boxing is tough. Because yeah. like cause somebody they pointed out, because somebody they ran down the whole entire Jizzaverse. Like I slayed MCs back in the Rec Room era, like everything, right? And they said, like, dude, technically that's the third best verse on that fucking song. Because Method Man wilded out as much as he did and shit, shit and everything. But then you listen to what Jizza is saying. It's like, okay, because going back to what you said about how it's like he's like who he's surrounded by. If he would have taken the shadow boxing verse, put it against anybody else. He's shitting on that person's song. I mean, like, it's on somebody, like, yeah, just a shit on him and shit. But you had what, what, like, Method Man did on that shit, though. And I'm just like, and the same thing kind of happened on Fourth Chamber to where, like, his verse is incredible. Like, it's like, um, I got mouths to feed. Unnecessary beef is more cows yeah, to breed. breed. Oof. <laughs> what the fuck? And, like, I love so that. he murdered it, but then the niggas you were standing next to, it was almost like you're surrounded by killers and shit, though. You know what I'm saying? And you're a killer yourself. You know what I mean? But no, like, Tokyo, before we go to Dan, which that line has birthed car. That is the most car line I've ever heard. <laughs> I've got mouse to feed. Unnecessary beef is more cows to breed. Car could spit that tomorrow and we'd all be all over it. I don't know if the other two verses ever birthed an MC. So I'm sticking by my man Jizzy here. I, I love what you mean, but I'm talking about, you know. Yeah. I again, I, <laughs> and again, um, I, I think it, it goes towards everyone's points of, like Riz of uh, Jizza being that like cool, calm, and collected character amongst other big characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, so like that gets overlooked. And although this isn't on this album, like when I think of like how calm he is and like the few times when he's not, I always think of like damage <laughs> off of uh um, album. <laughs> and yeah, so like album. when he's hype, it's so funny to me. So it's so character, yeah, but it's it's awesome, but yeah, um. Like fourth chamber is like that's probably the first song I've ever heard off of Liquid Swords, mm. and between that and Duel of the Iron Mike, like I I think those two songs probably influenced like my production style the most because like they just 
don't know how else to describe, but like they feel like Dragon Ball Z episodes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know like how else to describe them. It's interesting, Dad. I want to hear your descriptions of this track because you've always got some good lads. First thing I want to say about about Meth going nuts on that song is you think keep in mind the connectivity between the three, right? Mm. The three being Meth, Jizza, and Ray. Because mm. those were the three that did the lion's share of the writing on the original 36, right? Mm-hmm. When those three look at each other, they're like, they're not just giving each other guest verses. They're like angling for position, right? Like, I sure. am the pen here. So that meth really sh- had a nature of showing up, you know, on people's tracks and going nuts. Like, and this was mm. one of those uh, because. Of the respect he has for Jizza, you yeah. know, they didn't want to gut him like a fish. So the, but in terms of fourth chamber, what I was thinking, because the one, the one that I think of most first off is Duel of the Iron Mike, and mm. so Duel of the Iron Mike, fourth chamber, they share this idea that like because Jizza is this foundational voice and is solid, right? Mm. You're gonna like Jiz, Riz is gonna create a melee around him, mm. right? Yeah, so like, you're gonna put a bunch of people in the song. He's gonna have a crazy beat that's in your face, and he's gonna splash water right in your face. Track two, you know, Duel of the Iron Mike, and and then like a little later when you've established, he's gonna do it again, right? Fourth mm. Chamber is crazy uh, because it is like. And, and and to bury it in the album like you did is so devious. Uh, because <laughs> it's just it's like, oh shit, you know, yeah. it's, it's wakes you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sharif, well, what are you saying to Fourth Chamber? I love Fourth Chamber. That's definitely, I would say that's definitely top five songs on the album for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole transition of it kind of like, the mood that it set, like mm. lyrically, best back and forth on it. I will say for me though, my favorite song on the project, and this is my only blemish. Um, I would say on the project to me that I was complaining about to somebody as as short as two months ago. Wow, why the hell didn't they have "Living in the World Today" as a single? To me, yeah. that would have. Mm. Okay. To me, like something that would have pushed the album to platinum, double platinum, triple. Like, yeah. To me, that's like. To me, that was yeah. like, uh, bring the pain, ice cream, like, because even like, I can. The to me, the it, that song got the classic Wu formula where mm. it's in my head. I'm hearing it like a single. The lyrics is hard. The girls can dance to it. Even the hook. If you live it in the world well, today, today, you. Mm. Yeah, the slang that the Wu Tang say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. now that I'm looking at it, just like the single, like the single choices were kind of odd. Mm. Um, because like, yeah, cool. like the what? Core boxing in liquid swords. <laughs> and, and the first, the first one was I got you back. I got you back. Like, yeah. 
Yo, yo, what up? This Big Capadon, and you listening to Crate 808 on the gate. Word up, don't hesitate, you know what I'm saying? Cappuccino the Great in your mind state. Straight up and down, Wu-Tang Killer Bees on the Swamp. What up, world? This is her favorite color, BLU, holding it down on Crate 808 Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Crate808.com. Hey, y'all, this is Send Dog from Cypress Hill. Listen to the Crate 808 Podcast. Yeah, what's up? This corrupt young Gotti, Dog Pound, H-R-S-M-N, Orson. And I want to let y'all know one thing. Crate 808. What's up, Raz? What's up, Rup? This is Raz Cass, representing that HRSMN, no vowels, horsemen. And you are now tuned in the Crate 808. Do you know what? By the way, it can't, uh, you know, Ghost always delivers. And I know I always go back and hail Ghost because it's Ghost. But built with Genghis Khan, the red suede Wally Tan still really makes me laugh. And I was like, yeah, shit. He, he referenced Genghis Khan and linked it to to Wally's yeah. it, we live in that world amazing uh, but yeah that verse on Ghost is slept on not a lot of people talk about it but I love that verse and that whole moment of why is the sky blue why is water wet it's just who else can pull that off do you know what I mean just halfway through a verse just just say that yeah with the fact that how like he was so Ghost was such like a super gorilla gangster motherfucker, but he says stuff like that and he's very insightful and it's on some like yo that's what made him special it's almost like Mm. This was very deep, intellectual, borderline life-changing music being made mm. by dangerous motherfuckers and shit, though. Yeah. I mean, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, really good way to put it. Absolutely. Uh, talk about Duel the Eye. Well, Duel the Eye, Mike. We've got, I mean, if you want to, but just, we talk about voice acting. Oh, mad one. That, come on. Ooh, <laughs> that is amazing. And just, again, doing a lot with very little. Slow-moving MCs waiting for the editing. That. Mm. He's one of the coldest ways to put someone down. It's like, yeah, absolutely. But it was your walk shop, stolen heart, catch a swollen heart from not going smart. I put that pressure on pony whack rhymes and get hurt. Sits plate like zodiac signs and sweatshirt. That's minimum and feminine like sandals. My minimum table stacks to burst on the gamble. Energy is felt once the cord to death with the impact of roundhouse kicks from black belts that attack. Then white bones like cyclones or top bones. I represent for midnight to high noon i don't waste ink nigga i think i drop megaton bombs more fast than in your blink cause rhyme thoughts travel at a tremendous speed through clouds of smoke of natural blends of weed only under one circumstance as if i'm blunted turn that shit up my clan in the front wanted that when the mcs came to live out the name and to to perform something had to snort cocaine to the act the same for me Liquid Swords, guys. I want someone out here to talk to me about one of my favourite openers of all time. Like, come on, Dan, what you got for Liquid Swords, mate? That's a wild way to open the album, man. I, that's a wild <laughs> way to open the album. I, I often thought, like, man, what if you, what if this album opened with investigative reports? Don't you, <laughs> but no, I think if you start you with know? investigative reports, you'd mistake it for being Cuban links. That's the only track off here that could be on Cuban, I think. I know Ray's on there, but I'd have thought, is this just Cuban links all over again? So I, it got off on the wrong foot for me. But please do expand. Sorry, man. Jumped over. But yeah, it's 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 kind of dark and rainy, and it like it feels like you're being rained on. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's a, a long audio clip, the Kung Fu clip, but there's like space after it mm. so you're like is he gonna rap and then he goes nuts um yeah yeah it's really cool 
Where does it, where does it rank amongst Wu Tang album intros, bro? I think it might be the best one for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah you set the world up. You're setting the world up, right? Like who who else in the? I know there are a lot of Wu openers, so maybe I'm getting this wrong. But you're setting the whole world up with that skit, and then you're going in with them piano stabs. With that, it's just immediacy. It's just immediately. It's like oh. I'm in. Like, so I don't, I kind of, it does the best job of introing the artist. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I know what world I'm going into. I know. And, and I think that's also like a test because I'm thinking that, I'm thinking strive for perfection, um, you know, like, I'm, you know, but it's also a testament to to RZA and his, because, you know, like, and this is like, this is jokey, but like a lot of, a lot of, albums nowadays will start with like some random skit or whatever for some movie clip or whatever but like rizza's approaches with different projects and kind of just like knowing how to introduce the artist mm. so like just just having a backdrop for striving for perfection with ray ghost talking kind of setting the vibe versus this it's like it kind of just puts you right into a movie and then yeah. into and then it's like it's RZA talking over like a different sample. You're like, okay, where is this going? And then it gets into the song. I love that bit. Yeah, <laughs> I love that bit. That little pause. Yeah, That's so good. That's so good. Yo, what up, y'all? This is DJ Premier, and you're checking out the Crate 808 podcast. Hey, yo, yo, yo! This is your boy Farrell March, and right now you are rocking live with the Crate 808 podcast. Yo, what's up? This is Del, the Funky Homo Sapien, down with Hieroglyphics, the Funk Pimp. Come on here for some good shit. Yes, yes, you're rocking with the best. This is the one and only Just Blaze. Right now, you're checking out the Crate 808 podcast. This is Open Mike Equal, and you are currently rocking with the Crate 808 podcast. Yo, peace and love to his homeboy. Sandman, and you're rocking with the Crate 808 podcast. It's the place to be. So good for you. Hey, what's happening? This is Trevor Nelson, your R&B ambassador, talking all things R&B and hip hop on the Crate 808 podcast. Hey, yo, yo, check it out. Mr. Rapper Big Pooh, and I need you, 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 and you to make sure you check out this week's episode of the Crate 808 podcast. Tell everybody the rapper says so. I think it might be the best RZA meshing with jizz's style i don't know yes. maybe uh, maybe i'm over, but i think this is the beat that meshes just the best and it kind of uh, it makes sense but that it does that but just the way he they do on the hook i, I always find it really uh, it's just a beautiful little touch where you'll have rizzo in the mental plane that can see like he's doing that whilst the hook's going yeah. on and then, and then you've obviously got RZA doing the whole, you know, a little pause thing. It's just character. He's like, yeah. uh, and then it then pause and bang, you're back into it. What do you reckon, Tokyo? Liquid Swords. Yeah, I mean, like, just the tone that, like, it's set, because, like, the funny thing about the beat is that it's got that, that, like, sort of, it's almost like it's dark, but kind of bouncy just at the same time. Mm. And then, like, you've got the hook on top of it and stuff, though, with the interplay between RZA and Jizza, where RZA's just being the hype man, but hyping in a way that's damn near like a drunk blooded out flavor flavor some shit though you know what I'm saying you know what I mean just like it's like yeah boy he's he just like play and like he's just like even if it's very subtle just in the background and then the way like it just opens up mm. but especially off that intro because um first time I heard like um the actual track was again just off the radio then when they played it on the radio they didn't play the intro so when I got the album and you just press play and like that 
skit just opens it up and shit though i remember like back when i was in maryland and shit though and anything like i used to go out to work out at like this fucking um this outdoors thing where they got the pull-up bars and everything you know this little fitness trail where you can do the dips and sit-ups and shit though right so there's always people just walking past and i remember like i was blasting it and people are just walking past right and i'm just looking at their reaction and people are fucking terrified like what the fuck is this motherfucker listening to his shit though you said <laughs> just like how like it's like when i was little my father was famous and you're like what the fuck is this yo let's walk on let's walk on fuck this dude this shit now i mean you're saying so is this the sort of thing where it was just like the way like it just set up that tone and then after that the track just jumps on this shit though and then it's just like you just have just just going absolutely ape shit just like with all these different elements to it and stuff though mm. and again um the same thing that's like we're living in the world today it's just like it was this weird mix about modern and futuristic for the time and it, honestly speaking it's still kind of futuristic till this day mm. but mixed in with this dinosaur level old school shit you know what yeah. i mean mm. oh like this dinosaur like we're taking it back to routines when we used to be on the block and everything like just routines back and forth back and forth and everything but then mixing it in with this whole fucking um like next level shit and everything and then that was one thing that the woo was always just like very good at though like when they could well a lot of different things, because even if you listen to like a song like um, not to jump off, if you listen to a song like um, Iron Galaxy by Campbell Ox, mm. you've got this soundscape that is very futuristic, very overwhelming, very film score like. Mm. Underneath that bitch, you got in peace the president, the drum break, like boom. So it's almost like a mix between these two different levels, and that's kind of like what like you got it for Liquid Swords and shit though, like very kind of like futuristic next level level sequencing and beat with. Dope ass lyricism with an old school inspired ass hook. Just mm. all these different levels and all these different eras just coming together just to make that one song and shit, though. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and then like where Rizzo just, just being on some like, yo, I'm gonna take these little different things, but you know, because Rizzo, he like he didn't really because I don't even think he had the drums to it and shit, though. And anything, because I think that nah, nah, I think he did. Mm. But like, I um, mean, it's just like kind of like a straightforward loop. To where it's just like, you know, you've got the more complex RZA shit that's down the line on the album on tracks like Fourth Chamber, Gold, and Swordsman. Mm. But on Liquid Swords, it's like, nah, fuck it. Loop that shit. Boom. And we good. Jizzle. Rom. And then he just killed it. And then he just listened to everything. It's like, no. Okay. Mm. Okay. And like, it just opens it up and shit though, Nathan. You know what I'm saying? I mean, word. Now, I mean, as far as just like, this is what you're getting for this next 45, 50 minutes or some shit. Now, I mean, word. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, um, one thing I find interesting about like the the kind of the old school routines just does it, it also like because of that it kind of sets him apart as like one of the better hook writers in the clan because of that. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, okay. Yeah. Well. Sharif, what are you saying? Uh, Liquid Swords, the the cut. Oh. Uh, literally, probably the best Wu Tang song ever. Wow. Like, oh, Cause even like, and it's funny because at first, I kind of not got turned off, but the uh, the song was so far. I kind of sometimes hate waiting sitting through the intro because the <laughs> intro like, <laughs> like, but when it finally dropped, and even the video, like we got to talk about how ill the video was because the video they were standing on the board like, mm, and it was kind of yeah. the album cover and. It was super dope, like, and that song in particular, I would say, goes back to the case where we were saying about uh, 
that being like a genreless album, because I've heard that song in like metal events that I went to and like rock shows and the crowd go crazy to it. Interesting. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Square yard is flush. Fuck the screw face photo sessions. Facial expression leaves impression. Try to keep a sharp nigga guessing. Give praise and shout some. Here's the outcome. Cut across the semi gloss. Rhymes your floor. Shit is outdated. Just like neck loads of sterling. Suede fronts, belt bottoms, and tri color sherlings. I ain't particular. I bang like vehicular homicides in July 4th in best stock. When money don't grow on trees and they're Steve and MCs who cut throat to rake leaves, they can't breathe. Blood splash, rushing fast like running rivers. I'll be that whiskey in your liver. Again, like taking it back to the cinematic aspect of shit, though, if you listen to these Wu Tang albums, it's funny enough because it makes sense that RZA eventually just started doing films because he essentially was already doing films with the music and shit, though, and anything. You know what I'm saying? As far as just like making. The scenery and shit, though, just kind of just like stand it, just like stand out. And like, um, building off a of dance point, because like you said, like, um, pairing up like Wu Tang and shit, though, funny enough, I would have paired up Jizza and Deck. Because the thing, like, Jizza and Deck, they're kind of similar in the sense about you're very lyrically precise, but Deck has this energy that Jizza just kind of, because like, it's almost like if Jizza's the calm one, Deck is the more hype one, but they're still very, very like, Interchangeable and stuff, and they well, not interchangeable, but they still mesh well together and stuff, though. Because, like, um, because funny enough, um, like, I got the Scratch magazine, like, where like Rizzo was talking about Cubalinks, too, right? The one that Rizzo was on the cover, like, he actually in that article, he actually said, like, before Cubalinks 2 had dropped, he actually was considering the way like Cubalinks 1 was guest starring, like, um, Ghostface, he actually had like like an idea that he wanted Cubalinks 2 to guest star Deck and Jizzle, because, like, um. I think that like you're very I think especially Deck is very street oriented, but very super lyrical. And then like Jizza is more super lyrical, but even though he's a street dude, and I think like pairing them up with Ray, who's just more of a straightforward street dude, this would have been dope because you would have seen all three spectrums and stuff though. But then when is this Jizza and Deck? I mean, cause like um, cause it's almost like I couldn't picture anyone rhyming on Cold World apart from Deck, because whether he came in, like, you know what I mean? Just like um some niggas in the jet black galant shop the Chinese restaurant for this kid named Lamont. And like just with the amount of detail, because um one of the best things that I've heard like Rizza say about Deck was that he says, like, sometimes when Deck rhymes about the streets, Deck rhymes about the streets in a way that almost reminds you of like a news reporter. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like very, very detailed, but very like he paints a fucking perfect scene and shit though about all the shit that goes on. And then Jizza does that in his own way. Yeah. But Deck almost has like it's almost like Jizza does it in an intellectual way, and then Deck is intellectual but still very gutter and street level and shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so the two of them, they really blend well together and shit though too. You know what I mean? Where I mean, to the to the point about the street content on on Jizza, what I think is the most interesting is like most people when they're rapping about street content, they're like, I did this, and like Jizza, <laughs> Jizza's like the Lorax for his block. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He is out there and he's just like, can you believe Walter did that to Janine? Fuck that guy. <laughs> like, he's like, really? Yeah. He sees everything? Yeah. And he's like, it's uh, it's really cool. He's really and he gave us, that's how he gives us the whole world of what he does. Mm. And that, I think that's what Riza saw and was trying to you know, make larger. Sonic was like, 
Mm. I'm going to show you the whole world of what's going on, not just his world. Yeah. We talked about the video, absolutely, but fucking hell, there's some bars on there where non-visual enter tapes and a portrait for the seminar trying to orbit the corporate industry. Niggas can't see us break through like the woo unexpectedly. unexpectedly. <laughs> Scratch off the cereal. Like, come on. He's scratching the cereal off the bottom. Like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And uh, big up Nestle Crunch, by the way, because he actually references a Nestle Crunch on that track. And I fucking loved Nestle Crunches. So I was like, oh shit, me and Jizza, we can have a Nestle Crunch together. I don't know why I was getting to that. Do you know what? Before we, we, we can't, we can't, I can't believe we've not even talked about this. Bible. Right, so let me talk. Let me talk about Bible for please, a second. Please, Dan. Please, Dan. Talk please. about Bible for a second. Because what you got to think about is Bible is an, is an incredible showcase for mess for killer priests. Mm. And heavy mental doesn't come out until 98, right? Like so that's like so three years later. He's living off this for giving, three years. He's giving a spotlight. He's like, This is your you go, right? Uh, he is not nearly as you know out there and known as Method Man or somebody else like that. So think about that. He puts Killer Priest on in '95, and then in '08 he puts Ka on. Yeah, mm. that's crazy. So the ear that Jizza has for other for talent for other is pretty good. Um, and and a basic instruction before leaving Earth is one of my one of my favorite Wu Tang songs ever. This so let me give you something to think about, Cam. Mm. This is an album that has an argument for the best album cuts of all time as in deep cuts like just album songs like non-singles yeah cuts mm. within the album like yeah I've, if you look at this track list you're like oh shit that one's that deep in the oh shit like mm. it's <laughs> it, it, it's one of those first you remember when like was it kendrick's dam where every song charted yeah like because like he was such a concept artist right mm. this was the first album that kind of felt like that we were like oh shit mm. you know like yeah if you look at the history of albums transition this is one thing uh i wanted to bring up was the first rap album that i remember going oh everything is flowing together was uh african-american gentleman for life by nwa wow, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That you know you went skit to skit, song to song, and and then that led into the chronic. But like this album really brought kind of the flow of the concept album to another level. Mm. It took it off the street for me, as in it's still street, but it took it into this other culture, which was just this kung fu right. nerd. I, I for want for a better word, it wasn't nerd, but it was like you know like cult. It was cult. Yeah. Whereas you've got the grimy mafia shit that's just started that ra raised on and then at the same time then you've got that for me chronic was the one that that was a soundtrack to la i didn't know what la was until i heard that song yeah. and i was like holy shit it, that, didn't, that, that it didn't just feel like 
the like the presence of street violence like liquid swords feels like dark magic mm. okay mm. okay okay mm. okay. It, it, okay it's almost like i heard someone say this before in a review or one of the many documentaries have been about woo and they were like the thing with jizzer is he's like the bird's eye view like looking at everything like look this to cold world that's exactly what that is but he's right. never like on the street at it like he's but what he's doing yeah. is he's yeah. surveying his world and reporting right. it back and then even putting it what there's a line on here now you know what? i forgot where it is but he says something like i'm not a black activist and i remember that hitting me hard because i was thinking this guy is out here he could easily be one he could easily be well it's right. again swordsman you know i'm not leaving it to politics i'm no black activist on a so-called scholar's dick like yeah. even that moment is like he's i'm not you're conscious MC. I'm not that guy, you know, like yeah. that's going to tell you, I'm just telling you the street tales and you do what you want with it. But I know where I stand kind of thing. So, um, yeah, no, I find right. like, I'm not lecturing you about a block in black America. I'm telling you about my block. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, exactly so, yeah. it. That's why Bible yeah. and mighty healthy, please chip in here on, on Bible. Like for me, that, that it might be the deepest. I know there's a lot of deep woo cuts. You've got impossible. You've got a, a you know some of the ghost face stuff he's put out but bible i think kind of just looks further it looks at like death do you know what I mean and not in a morbid way but like just instructions before you because we all leave these are the basic right. instructions and i don't know what you thought to to bible mighty healthy I'd, I'd like to hear um yeah this is obviously like the first uh project i ever heard killer priest on mm. and from what i understand like he was it was like between him and master killer to become like the last member of, of the yeah. clan mm. and so yeah. so the original question of who would i pair him with it all depends it all depends on if is killer priest in the clan or is he not because if he's not it's dead <laughs> and in in the alternate multiverse thing where he is then it would be killer priest because like they, you, yeah. you could tell that Jizza really had like a respect for him, just like putting him on these projects, giving him a whole solo track. Like that is that is unheard of. Mm. Um, I also found it cool that yeah. was produced by Fourth, and that's the only song on there produced by Fourth. A big hook, um, Fourth, great shout, yeah. Fourth Cyber, and, yeah. And yeah, like it's, it, I always found it cool. Like he's always had like, because uh, I, I think the next album beneath the surface, like Killbreeze had a lot of spots on there as well. Um, mm. And yeah, I. Yeah, I, I I love it. At at first, I was like, "Who is this Killer Priest guy? Why does he have a song by himself?" And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that kind of mm. makes sense." Yeah, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's odd to hear a rapper get a whole track. I, I know is it Faster Blade, and, and I think it's that one that has Ray, but they're still still the same, really clan kind of thing. But um, no, it's funny that you said just just hit me now when I was thinking about you said about Car. He put him on Killer Priest. He put him on. And I'm like, yeah, but he fucking hates A&Rs, yet he's somehow working as a really good A&R right now. And I don't <laughs> understand. This is just a weird Great. paradox we're living in. Uh, Sharif, Bible, what's that saying to you? What's Killer Priest saying to you generally as well? Well, Priest, he's definitely, for me, he's in my top, uh, he's, in my, he's in my top 15 MCs ever. Like, for me, like, definitely. And I would really, we had a whole uh, conversation me, Dan, or Curly Castro about like, yeah. Right now, he's like literally on like the run of his life yeah. with the past four to five projects he dropped. Mm. So it was a breath of fresh air when he came out, and 
hearing that song, it was dope because it's kind of like it put a it put a good like ribbon on the top of the whole <laughs> Liquid Swords album. Like yeah. mm. to me, other smile on the album. It was the perfect last song to go with the perfect first song, uh, Liquid Swords. So that's a really good way of putting it. Really good opener, really good closer. Is it one of the best closers? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. There's a lot of good closers, and uh, yeah, yeah and, and to me, like you got to think like they was even taking a gamble with using just kind of like an unknown MC, but touching on a topic that's taboo to some people. That could have like literally threw the whole album off for some people. Like oh, mm. they like. With just that, even just the title alone, Bible. Like nowadays, <laughs> different. The reader, like listeners, is more open to stuff like that. But mm. you got to think back. '95, like somebody ending their album with that statement and that song. Like it was definitely like boundary breaking for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to think about it. What? Yeah. Sharif is so Sharif is so dope. So the one, what we got to think about it. Like you know, when you go to a movie, one of those franchise movies. They wrap up, they beat the bad guy, and then all of a sudden it cuts to, to another guy in the distance. <laughs> yeah. like, who's that? Like, that's how that track feels where you're like, all right, we yeah. wrapped up. So, who is this? Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be continued. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, yo, what up, y'all? This is Prince Paul, and you're rocking with Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, it's EV Evidence, Dilated Peoples. You're rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast, my favorite shit. Let's go. Yo, what's good, y'all? This is Master Ace, Brooklyn, New York, Crooklyn Dodgers, all that. You're checking out the Crate 808 Podcast. Make sure you tune in. Yo, 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 yo. This is Stretch Armstrong. Ooh-wee. My name is Bobby Garcia, aka Cool Bob Love. You're now listening to Crate 808. Hey, it's Steve Rifkin from Loud Records. You're rocking with the Crate 808 podcast. Spread the word. These guys are dope. The questions they ask in the interview is amazing. Yo, Mayhem the Ren in the building. Crate's 808 podcast. Yo, this is Rodney P, the rhythm killer. Big blood clot things were in there. You heard me? Yeah. And we're here listening to the Crate 808 podcast. Big things is going in right back to the early morning. If you don't know, Get to blood clot. No, you feel me? I love Jizz. Jizz is awesome. I would totally listen to Dark Matter when it comes out, but I don't need it. And I'll tell you why. The mm. ultimate, the bottom line to me, the moral of the story on Liquid Swords is, uh, is a tribute to how important albums were to my generation, right? Like, mm. we're much more focused on productivity now. We're much more focused on on continually providing to your audience more, right? Mm. Uh, and at what clip do you do it? And what clip do you work? This is an album he can tour on till he till he dies. Like because it was everything to us. It was everything. Like I was talking to my friend last night because I knew I was going to do this panel, and I was like, I was like, this is why none of us cared about Jay Z. Yeah. It's like absolutely. Who cared? Uh, I did. He's the one about holding his hand up like uh <laughs> younger. But in ninety-five, in yeah, ninety-five, yeah, yeah. like we had Scarface with mm. the diary, we were still digesting that. We had, you know, liquid swords, we had pun, we had biggie, like we just weren't worried about. Like mm. we weren't, you know, I liked I remember liking the videos, but like 
we this was everything mm. this was everything yeah there was a uh, monoculture around it but not in the monoculture like on a general level but on a certain hip-hop head everyone knew this album same as cuban links everyone knew these and kind of you took you traveled with it, it was like an id pass you'd grow with yeah, we it. were like a cult we were a cult yeah like oh. the first like the wu-tang was basically the first of the hip-hop cults like yeah there was no I don't think people were going as hard for cold chilling as they were for Wu. Yeah. Or public yeah. enemy. Maybe. I don't know. Public enemy had this They're very, in the UK, Probably, yeah. in the yeah, UK PE fun. have this following and tribe as well. And native tongues, I suppose a little bit, but there was this moment of yeah. Wu cultism. Absolutely. And I think, do you know what? You grow with it. You get to 19. If someone's wearing a liquid shirts, I think it was, um, I don't even know much about Seth Rogen. And I think he turned up in a film one time and he was wearing a liquid swords tee. And straight away, yeah, I was like, yeah, uh, was it 40 year old virgin or some shit? Something like that. Though, knocked, knocked up, no, yeah. knocked up starts with ODB as a cut. Cause that's another thing where I was like, I've not heard of a, like a Hollywood comedy started with ODB, uh, but he was wearing liquid swords shirt. Yeah. And uh, that again, it's a, it's a sign. It's a pass. It's like, all oh, right. Okay. I'm going to pay a bit more interest to what you're saying now, just cause you so know back to what like, well, kind of like flipping the ironic thing behind what Dan said about, things being more kind of productive now. The ironic thing is that Wu-Tang kind of brought that to the game back then because, mm -hmm. like, back then, making albums was, like, a lot harder and yeah. anything you yeah. have access to the studios. And so, like, people... So it took time. It took a lot more time. And Wu-Tang, unless I'm fucking up, I, and I don't think I'm fucking up because I was there, but Wu-Tang was the first time... Again, this goes back to, like, um, what I said, like... um my first experience with the song like liquid swords because it's like because that's the thing back to 95 you had fucking dirty's album and the funny thing is that dirty's album a lot of times gets overlooked that motherfucker was nominated for a grammy cuban links then you had liquid swords in the same fucking year right. back in 95 like a lot of people like they go on like a lot of runs now and everything though too where like you see a lot of back-to-back -back things you see like um Griselda, like the homie yep. Mantis, like people iceberg in like August, where like they just drop like back to back like quality shit. But right. we had never seen this shit back in like '95 because to be on some like yo, because it's on some like my nigga, like these niggas dropped three fucking albums that kind of just shifted everything back to back. Because even like Primo kind of had not the exact same level, but Primo was at least dropping. Each and every year, because you had Jeru in '93, mm. Gangstar right. in '94, Group Home in '95, mm. and like I mean, so Primo was at least an album like a year, but nobody had like triple, triple like you know what I mean. And this is when like Mob Deep's The Infamous is out mm. and anything, you know what I mean? and Outcast and as like, well. Outcast are dropping shit at this point right, as well. Oh I think. So and and, you know I mean? and also not to mention like you know these these projects were produced like they're all by the same person but they're so different like i can't hear mm. like for example like uh, while we were while we were um talking like i can't i couldn't imagine any of these songs on like cuban links or iron man you know yeah. like, i couldn't imagine any of the cuban link stuff on mm. on like on you know on this album like so it's just and the, but they were all recorded and done at the same time and so it's like it, that's also like a testament to like rizza having like is being in like a different space for every project, you know, in a, yeah. such a short amount of time. I only have one thing left, and this is a bit of alternative history, right? Mm. And I want, Sh I, I think Sharif will enjoy this. So, uh, Grave Diggers 
six feet deep comes out a year before this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What if, what if Rizza comes to Prince Paul and says, look, I got too many MCs, man. I can't produce all these albums myself. You understand mood. You understand storytelling. Come with me on this and, and start helping me get these albums done. Um, and and be my 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 right hand on this. Right. How that would be crazy. Fuck. You know? Who's he even oh, take he, that? He would have made he would have made like the best like 95 you got album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is a great shout. A Prince Paul uh, You Got album in 1995. Because the thing is like, you know, Prince Paul could do all the RZA things. Um, but you know, but also like he has, he, he, uh, you know, has like a narrative aspect to him. Like he also knows how to be funny. And like, to me, like, I don't think, I don't think like you God's personality, like showed enough on, on, you know, throughout, throughout the, cause you know, I, I read his audio book. I listened to it. Like it's the funniest shit I've ever read. Like, really, you know, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like brilliant. Cause he's so unintentionally funny. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's read by him and everything. Um, so I, I think Prince Paul would have got that side out of him as well. Interesting. That would have been dope. That would have been dope for sure. That would have been dope. Yeah, or, I didn't even think that would have been dope for sure. Yeah. Uh, what about yeah. you, Sharif? What are you saying, Prince Paul? Woo. Prince Paul, woo would have been crazy, but you know what? It would have been ill to me that, uh, and I think it could have been like a whole. They could have set a whole concept around it since, since we kind of do it, kind of do an I Wish albums. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, ODB, then the Automator. Oh. 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 Hey. Well, oh. That's kind of twisted. Oh. I don't even know what it. that would be like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think that would be, yeah, I now I need it. Now I need that. Now, there you go. That was our Liquid Swords chat. If you want that full episode, because it went longer, it went longer. All these are like two hours minimum. These are long Wu-Tang rap nerd sessions. Patreon.com slash Cray808 if you want them all. Uh, and next up, another little peek into... Man, this chat was amazing. We dipped into a Sleep Edges album that helps lay the foundations for underground hip-hop in the 2010s. His 2008 record, Pro Tools. And then we dipped into Love for DJ Muggs and what role he played for Jizza and also how Muggs and Jizza themselves branched out a whole legacy to the underground kings that we know, like Rock Marciano and Carr from Brownsville. So here you go. Boom. See the amplified sample I'm flowing with. I grab the microphone, the unthinkable happens. You see the rockets red glare like the guns are clapping. They still cage matching MCs and scrapping. Not the UFC, but my opponent is tapping. So don't let a little bit of fear turn to hatred. I was sent as a savior to be vibe of the sacred. Also stop this uncalled for behavior. And sipping rap cats, they lack taste and flavor. Got word from the wise to let it drop. Set this on fire, take aim, then let it pop. Because I think Jizz's best album after Liquid Swords, it yep. used to be Pro Tools, but it is Grandmasters for me as well. Mm-hmm. So- you have a measured and clean, like clean jizzer on this album. Like he is just cl- cutting, not even making a sound that blade isn't. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, dang. Yeah. And your your head is just, all, and it's like, you know, it's like Shogun Assassin. Like, 
what an honour it is to be killed by this blade. Do you know what I mean? That, that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it, to think it would happen to my own neck is ridiculous. Anyone who likes Shogun Assassin will enjoy that Amazing. reference. I asked about it when I spoke to him, I think it was last year, but and it wasn't about that, but I kind of brought it up and I was like, oh, it's really dope, but it sounded so 2005 and maybe people didn't expect that. And he gave me like kind of like I didn't make the interview. It was like this round around answer where he was like, yeah, we were really learning how to use computers back then. We didn't know what we were doing because we were doing that transition over to all in the box recording. And he was saying like prior to that, he was used to using like his equipment. And he said that was why the drums sounded a little cleaner because I was saying like, no, now you do like kind of a little bit more of a drumless thing. And he said, I had to go through those boxing computer drums to get to the other side of it was almost what he said. Like I, I'm paraphrasing here. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's fa I never knew that. That's Crazy. fascinating to me. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of like Muggs's learning curve. Is that what we're saying here then? This album? I, I mean, it was bit. this, I don't know if he was specifically talking about just this one, but I, I brought, cause I brought it. It was at the time that he was doing all those collabs albums, like last year and a couple of years ago. And I said, Oh, the last time you did that, was like the Muggs versus Ill Bill, Muggs versus Jizza. And I, I was kind of comparing mm. those two. And he was saying like it was a very different industry and a very different like recording situation mm. where he like he was trying to compete with what was like still on the charts where he says nowadays he just tries to sell a vinyl and he makes his money that way. He says it's a really different kind yeah. of like he doesn't need to cater to an audience outside of his core audience. When mm. back in the day, he was still maybe trying to figure out what his role would be like after the big Cypress Hill, like after that, their big pop moment. This is why I like doing these album reviews with you fellas, because yeah. these are the stepping stones for the next 10 years. The, the only reason we talk about mugs and I put him on a very high pedestal um, is, is because of these stepping stones and where Jizzer, if he drops dark matter or not, it's going to be these stepping stones that inform that record. So anyone who loves the woo, hopefully does enjoy these chats or it's just me. But go, before I go to Toko, I was going to say this about grandmasters for me. I thought to not just jump on with a one producer album, but a legendary producer right yes which has got a lot of weight to it already there's expectation but not just a legendary producer a legendary producer who invented a different signature sound in hip-hop from the west coast it's like wait wait this could be there's layers and layers and layers of things that should have gone wrong with this album and i think it's to the testament of mugs is talent incredible talent that he can meld his sound and kind of just mold it to the woo it worked and i don't know if rizza ever and i'm not making this a versus or whatever but did rizza ever nail such an ambitious creative endeavor apart like he did his scores i get that he did bobby digital i get that did he nail it did he nail it how mugs nails i'm going to get woo and the Cypress sound in one album for however many tracks this is 10 15 tracks i don't know if rizza ever nailed that but I'll put that out there and let it sit for anyone. But uh, I've talked about enough. Tokyo, please kick us off with what your thoughts were on, on this. Oh, shit. I don't remember like specifically where I was, like when I heard it, but I remember just getting it and then just listening to it and then being like, motherfucker, this, yeah, this was up. I mean, cause like, um, take it back to, especially with like when, like, um, cause I think I might be fucking it up, but isn't this, wasn't this the first album where, where mugs was on that run working with different people like was this the first mm. one because i know like Ill, the ill bill shit was like was like 2010. I think, yeah, I think um, this is the first one yeah 
First okay. one? Okay, yeah. Because, like, and so, like, and then, you know, well, first of all, just to jump on, like, the whole mugs thing and shit, though, and anything, though, like, I actually was thinking about the fact that, um, again, chopping it up with, like, Razor and shit, though, and, like, we talked about, when we talked about that whole thing about when Jizza did this album with, like, mugs, it made me start thinking about mugs as, as a whole. Mm. And, like, think about mugs, like, because pound for pound in terms of crews, yep. Soul Assassins is not to be fucked with because, no. like, now they have that, that, that Cypress Hill era, House of Pain era, like with the Funk Dubious era. But then to switch up, and then when Mugs started doing this, this like versus like series and stuff, though. Mm-hmm. And this is already after the Soul Assassins, like volume one and volume two. Because even when it comes, because even when it comes to the Soul Assassins, like volume one, it bugs me out that people don't really talk about the fact that in 1997, Mugs had. RZA, fresh off of Wu Tang Forever, Dr. Dre, who is this Dre? Havoc, fresh off fucking Hell on Earth and stuff. You know what I'm saying, and then Wyclef, like fresh off the, like fresh off the score. I don't think there's ever been been the case where like a producer has got that many master producers rhyming over his shit on one album. Mm. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, like, and people they don't talk about this shit. Like, it's almost like, oh yeah, like that happened. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, do you know what? Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Know what I mean, yeah. is this when's the last time that you had Dre, RZA, Havoc, and Wyclef on your shit when they're all at the height and everything? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I mean, Muggs, Muggs is that motherfucker and shit, though. Name, really but then, and he had Kid Alchemist in the room and introducing him to Mob Deep at the time. We're like, you exactly. don't know he's a legend then, but he turns out that way too. Exactly, no. his DNA is everywhere, bro. And you know, I just looked up. I, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I just looked up what you were saying. If it is the first in the run from 2005, but his first actual collaboration was with Tricky. And I forgot that he did that Tricky album. Oh, Just, yeah, yeah, juxtapose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, yeah, shit, that's wow. 99. Wow. Yeah, that's 99. That's... That, shit. Do you know I mean? Tricky's yeah, everywhere, bro. Tricky is everywhere. You can't fucking around with Tricky. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I think that sonically, like, um, the sound that he was able just to give Jizza. Stuff like um, um, advanced pawns with mm. that western guitar shit, and then also the like um, the one about um, the the like murder mystery shit with the typewriter with the little piano keys with the drums on that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the drum like RZA and Raekwon, the dun 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 dun, and then is that he was able to give them a sound that was larger than life, but still raw. Mm. And then he just hit it because even like with the fact that um, on the third Cypress Hill joined the stuff, the RZA. I think RZA and T-Ray were the only outside producers to ever produce on the Cypress Hill thing and shit, though, because RZA was on the Kill Hill nigga Kill shit Hill, doing anything. Get splatted, dream shattered. Savage get blasted through a one G package. Beep the sequence. Crab adolescence on his defense. Pile you niggas talking fast like Puerto Ricans. Went through seeking. Turn my catch clean like Dominicans. That's Mohican. Living so speaking. Wildest Indians. Tomahawk. Challenge slang the violent talk of state New York. The chunks get distorted for new ports. What you thought? And I think like with that connection being made and everything though too. And then they just like, I think Muggs understood the Wu Tang sound. And then, because for him, just to even invite RZA to be on some like, yo, this is right after Black Sunday. For mm. him to be like, nah, I want you. Give me a beat. That's a motherfucking honor and shit, though. Like, I'm saying for Mugs right. to be on some, I want a beat off of you and shit, though. And rhyme on this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? I was just going to 
I was going to say, I was going to give you a different way to think about this, Cam, because you were talking about how it's amazing he mastered the Wu-Tang sound and like and uh, the Brazil sound and melded it or whatever. The first time I realized that they were on the same wavelength was was Temples of Boom, right? Temples of Boom, Killer Hill, mm. African American Gentleman. The, uh, it's that song. I was like, oh, shit. Like, it's not that Mug's sound is related to Riz's, but it's living in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It, when Havoc and, you know, Mugs and Rizza go out to get their morning paper, they can wave at each other, right? They're like, <laughs> they're on the same neighborhood. And like, if um, if Rizza scores Sacy, then, then Muggs is like De Palma, you mm, know? Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it, that's why this made so much sense. Um, and my reaction when we were talking about like hearing it, this was one of those underground going out of your mind moments because I loved this album. And I was walking around everywhere being like, this fucking album rules. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I had that same thing. People just like, people, I just didn't get it. Like, you try, try to tell everyone to listen to Jizz and Mugs, and they're like, we're listening to Franz Ferdinand or whatever the fuck was <laughs> yeah, Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like the strokes or some shows. I'm like, what's going on? I'm having a stroke trying to get you to listen to this album. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But yeah, I'm no. Uh, Animal Collective, you know. Like, Animal like, Collective. Yeah. Wow. Brad Class Dark Animals. Fun. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back to the in- See, the indie, whoever the indie heads are out there thinking we yeah. don't know. We know. We know. And then there was that Who Meets Indie album and everyone you, came back. And then now yeah, that's like, real. That's real. Do you remember that oh, shit? Fucking hell. Yeah, Word. forgot about that album. Absolutely. You wanted to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to forget about it. That was it. But the, the Apple shit as well. It was, was it Rizza and, uh, yeah, mate, Muggs. Yeah, amazing. But yeah. Oh, no. was that Black Keys? That yeah. Black Keys, Black Rock album? That Black had, Keys. Like, that was all right. Yeah. That was, uh, that, that, didn't that. that Ray was on that? And like, the, oh, yeah, yeah, killed it. Yeah. Oh, I was named Dash. Dang yeah. Dash. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man, it took an attack to that shit. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> That's it. That's amazing. But what I want to say about this album more than anything, because it's very close to my heart, as I alluded to at the beginning, and I have a question where it says, where does it stand in the tapestry of the Wu-Tang's catalogue and history, this album? Um, I think the reason I love this album so much with time is that it bridges three things for me. And brilliantly, and I don't know many albums or artists that do it as like all like this well, but it has my fervent love for the nineties and woo it's in there. My Detroit love for mid noughties bangers. When you have someone like black milk on this album, which was out of nowhere for me where I was like, what the fuck black milk? And this was my apex of black Milk's love. I was in sound of the city, all that shit. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And then it also links in my future love for car and rock all in one album which is quite rare and i was like this is quite a rare album like i don't know any three stages in one album that have got me like this um so yeah i don't know what you guys want to jump in on pro tools but generally in 2008 where did you think the woo were uh how did you feel about this album when it dropped uh let's go to dan first go on dan uh, so the first thing because i was a huge 50 cent nut uh and i was so I was very into the the diss mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. Um, and as a philosophy major, the thing I think about the most with Pro Tools is that intermission skit before Paper Plates. I've seen a kid one night at a spot. He had a Wu Tang logo on his face. I mean, just a t- 
tattoo. It's big. And then a whole bunch of other shit carved on it. You don't see that often. In there. I mean, I've never seen a, 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 a G on it logo on someone's face or arm or, you know, not saying that there isn't. But um, I would say it's sort of like a cult following. You know, but we're just regular people. I mean, I, I look at myself as a regular person. And the notion of paper plates and, like, there's a really heavily intense implied kind of conversation about, like, you're a paper plate. People are going to eat off you and then throw you away. Disposable. You're not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I, there's people with tattoos on their face of my shit. Like yeah. there's the, yeah. there's a difference in permanence there. All this rap trap that's trapped in your colon only means get rid of the wax you're holding. Sweet tooth dudes stay out the candy shop. You ain't got a ham cup and see the panties drop. A few cats is looking for a bat with cheese. Got something to pitch, they all swing a bat with ease. Get your ankles broke by doing your two-step. Leave a thank you note for the crutches the rule left. Proactive rap, you know they put drug in the cream. You hallucinate, see Kanye in your dream. And yo, I don't smoke dust, I dust off Smokey in the bandits with the brush stroke off the canvas. I walk on your gators and lizards, raise the links that was killed for your banks. You be rocking them blizzards. Wanna be cocked till you walk the D block and get a transfer, spread your wings like peacock. That is meaningful. So as rich as you get, enjoy it mm. because nobody cares. Right. Mm. And that's always been a discussion. I remember in 01, when I was in the military, one of my friends was from St. Louis and he's like, why do you, why do you think KRS one's more important than Nelly? Like Nelly's the shit. And I was like, in 10 years, no one's going to care about Nelly. Mm. And in Mm. 10 years, people are still going to be indebted to KRS. And like, there's a difference with permanence there that we're always kind of gauging. You know, I love that uh, in hip hop. So that was my first thought, and and shout out to Jizza for just blowing me away with that. Um, mm. He picks great images and does that, but but when you look back at it, man, the best verse on this album is Ka. Oh. Ka is a fire breathing dragon on this motherfucker. Which like, verse, bro? Yeah. He gets more than one. He get that's the thing. He gets a few. He? he gets a yeah, few. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. right. And and we are going to, do you know what's good about paper plate? When someone yeah. sticks a fucking rocket up a major rapper's ass and he's just like, oh, yeah. I've got to wake up now. Oh, what? I've actually got some, I've got stakes now, motherfucker. Like yeah. stakes are high. My name in the streets is fucking important to me. And the way he just dissects it, we'll go into that track later, yeah. but oof. Yeah. Unbelievable. I yeah. loved seeing, piece by piece. Yeah. hearing reinvigorated Jizza after what I thought was a little bit laid back on the liquid sword, a legend of liquid swords. Hey, what's up? This is Black Thought, and you are now rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, 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 yo. This is Stretch Armstrong. Ooh-wee. My name is Bobito Garcia, a.k.a. Cool Bob Love. You're now listening to Crate 808. Hey, yo, what up, y'all? This is Prince Paul, and you're rocking with Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, it's EV Evidence, Dilated Peoples. You're rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast, my favorite shit. Let's go. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Master Ace from Brooklyn, New York, and you're checking out the Crate. 808 podcast real hip hop so at the time i mean i really remember i was not like i was not happy with hip hop in 2008 generally speaking like it's not a year that i look back fondly like I, like there was a couple of bright spots i remember uh like q-tip had an album i really liked he had the renaissance and like wayne was obviously Ooh, on fire and he was doing his own thing yep. 
But I was lo- like that, that. I remember that year in particular being like, man, I'm listening to a lot of dance hall. I'm listening to a lot of UK music. I was kind of like looking outside because I wasn't getting what I wanted. And so I came back to this album, like probably a couple of years later, like just going through and I'm like, oh, let me check this out. And I was really surprised at how much I liked it. And then I was surprised because it was after Marsberg. So I was like, oh shit, like right. Marcy's on there. Oh shit, Kaz on there. And they're using their old flows. Like this is not the post reloaded Marcy. And this is not the like really laid back Kaz. They were still finding out what they were doing. And I think like on the low, Jizza might be responsible for putting on like so many people without knowing it. Cause you got those two, you had Santo gold on legend of the mm. liquid source doing a hook when like, what the hell is she doing there? And you go back to legends. Uh, you go back to words from the genius. He had an easy Moby all over that album, not in his prime yet, but like mm-hmm. that set up easy Moby for his run in Brooklyn and all mm. of that. And so I'm always, and kill a priest on liquid swords who ended up having like, you know, even today, Killer Priest is dropping like some weird, oh, amazing, field, amazing music. Yep. Okay. It never takes credit for breaking artists like that because I don't think that he has like this master plan. It's probably someone that's around him and he's like, yo, you got something? All right. And he gives him a shot and he's not, you know, he's not really taking responsibility for starting someone's career. He's just saying, get on the mic and or get on the, the MPC and do your thing. Did were you the ironworks story with with Ka was like that he made ironworks and he circulated that just to his friends yeah he was just yeah. like fuck it i'm just gonna do this for me and my friends mm. and somehow it went from his friends to jizza that's how it works yeah well yeah. from the reports i've read yeah it's mad well i just fucked up um well pardon me for yeah pardon me for cutting your like, wisdom i'm sorry i think the funny thing about Ka with that ironworks thing with what you just brought up that was the funny thing because Ka and Billy Woods. Yep. When um Ka dropped um the Ironworks, that was the same way that when Billy Woods dropped History Will Absolve Me, which was supposed to be like the albums where they were like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not really paid, so fuck it. I'm just gonna do one one last album here and I'm out. Mm-hmm. And those were the albums that got them on their runs, which was just like nuts and stuff and anything though, too. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the Ka Pantheon and stuff, the Ironworks is pretty much the only the only car album that I think is okay, but it's even got like one of like my favorite songs on that song, like DNA, like where like um he, he wrote one of the fucked up things I've heard in my life. I wrote this joint, he talked about how um his cousin was outside chilling motherfuckers, then went home and asked Santa Claus for a Teddy Ruxpin doll. Oh, yeah. That shit yeah. fucked me up for like months thinking about that shit. I, honestly, so I think the most the most car song on Ironworks is Patience. From the train station, all I can think about is what to bring in the house. These cocky fools running obstacles and route to my offspring of my spouse. One asked me, What the fuck you looking at? Fake courage cause he cooking crack. I'm a set from booking back with the Mac, all hooded black. To take his life, but what good is that? I clench my teeth to avoid instant beef or become official. I said, easy, brother, I don't want it, which one walked off, of course. The kid back slid to the rest. Threw on my bed, sweats, went to the park, did sets. To release that big stress. Not sure when it's going down, but it will. Mm. Which is just all about him trying to yeah. walk home. Yeah. And, and like, you're fucking with him. Yeah. Not getting yeah. in the streets, talking shit to him, and him like clenched yeah. fist trying not to kill them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's the that most common thing. Yeah. 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 Word. Word. 
Word. That, it's it's just so interesting to me that we're talking about Carr and it's Jizza who puts him into my radar, into my orbit, and what Jizza then just didn't do after. Like he just didn't do anything. And that's the thing that gets it for me where you're a catalyst right now. Maybe no one told him. Maybe people need to, t- one of his mans should have been five years later. Oh, by the way, have you heard Reloaded? Because, you know, rocks like, he probably did, but I don't know if there's, um, there's an elephant in the room. And like, I don't like talking about this because I love Jiz- like he's an amazing MC and I will never reach the levels that he's reached. But in his recent guest verses, he's kind of offbeat. So I'm always wondering like mm-hmm. what's going on because and it doesn't mean it's going to be permanently like that because I remember Deck had problems with his voice at some point. Mm, but when yeah, I right, saw yeah. like I saw Wu Tang live, like everyone was kind of on point, and Jizzle looked drunk. Like, really? yeah, yep. So yeah. it could be something like that, which would answer a lot of the unanswered questions in my head. Actually, thinking about that now, you've said that. Um, I haven't seen Jizzle live in ages, so yeah, yeah, true. Did like maybe two, three verses on stage and dip back. It was like you could tell mm. Ray goes meth were like holding the show down and mm. even deck like he just had so many verses where he could pop in mm. and do his thing and even if it wasn't his song he was always like kind of stealing the show mm. oh damn just just thinking sorry go on go on Dan. no I, mean, I was gonna i was gonna catch some up on the last episode one of the things i opened with was like we're kind of telling a story of jesus career here right mm. and the story is to, in my eyes like it is like desperate need to maintain as, as a major label artist, right? Letting go of that, finally getting your underground in, right? On the Grandmasters and Pro Tools. And so the worst thing about Pro Tools is there isn't more Pro Tools, right? But mm-hmm. like the way you're talking about in terms of the live thing, like Jizza is just everywhere doing Liquid Swords infinitely. Right, yeah. like he's on tiny desk with his hands in his pockets, you know, doing dual the iron might for the hundredth time. Like he's, it sucks that people don't want to hear his other music. Right, mm. it sucks that he didn't get to use because to what your point was, Cam, the production list. Now we have Black Milk. Mm. Now we have Bronze Nazareth. Mm. Now we have a whole crew of people who know exactly how to give you that Wu Tang sound mm. that you love. Right. Yeah. And evolve, so, it, evolve that sound, you know? Exactly. So why not? This is your time to take advantage of it. Mm. Do it. Like, so I wanted there to be a, a, another Pro Tools. I wanted there to be mm. another Grandmasters. I wanted there to be, like, build up. I'm certain I can beat you. I have to ask this now because we're here. If you had to have a Wu tattoo, right? Can't have the logo. you got to have a Wu tattoo somewhere. What is it? And if it had to be a Wu Tang Clan tattoo on your face, how much would I need to pay you to get it? There you go. You got to answer me now, or I don't. I don't think my girl would ever sleep with me again if I got a Wu Tang <laughs> tattoo on my face. So it would be a lot of money. I'm not even yeah. going to go there with monetary value. Then if it's if it's doing that. Yeah, I actually got a Wu Tang related tattoo on my left arm. I'm not going to. I can't be bothered to like lift the shit up and shit though. But it's actually a uh, twelve jewels because uh, twelve jewels from like um because to me. Here's the funny thing is like Riz is not top 10 in my favorite MCs. He's my favorite producer of all time. Mm-hmm. But Riz is not even one of my favorite MCs. But to me, 12 Jewels is the greatest rhyme I heard in my life. Like, if I had to uh, pick one rhyme that I thought was the greatest rhyme I've heard in my life, one rhyme, it would always be 12 Jewels. In my opinion, 
Nothing is ever going to top that. Mm-hmm. Second favorite verse in the ghetto by Rakim. Third favorite verse, arguably verbal mm-hmm. in the court by like Nas. But what RZA did on like um Twelve Jewels, like I actually, it actually gave me a challenge to, to myself that I want to take everything that he wrote in that rhyme and study it, because within that rhyme you've got astronomy, chemistry, biology, physics, philosophy, religion, all mixed in with street corner, grab your dick and hold your gun swagger and shit. Know what I mean? Shit, yeah. All that stuff is just like, in that one rhyme, that's the greatest rhyme I've heard in my life. So I got that tattoo just on my left arm and shit and everything you said. Well, that, that's deep. If he had just written The Cure in that year where he was on that vibe, I think he would have had as good an album as anyone else. Mm, but he oh just God. didn't do it. And then the yeah. moment was gone, but mm. that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tokyo, if you had to do it on your face, though, how much money, mate? Oh. Five 40 grand. Million. 40, yeah, 40 million. 40 million. 40 million. <laughs> I was getting like... I'll take 40 million for a Wu-Tang tattoo on my face. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have put a price on your relationship. 40 million. Uh, I'll do it for 20. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I will... Like, I'll... I'll do it for free on one thing, right? On one, like, so I needed okay. a very certain thing. Okay. It's going to be a tattoo on my face mm-hmm. of the woo. I want it to be only built for Cuban links, but <clears throat> instead of ghost face and Ray in those positions, I want it to be Nibbler and Zoidberg. Nibbler <laughs> from Futurama. I want Nibbler in the middle, Zoidberg in the back. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, that's. So that's do you know what? I can't. I want to. I kind of want to get that tattoo for you. Pay you to get that tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of want to see that now. It's amazing. That's great yeah. thinking. There, I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I. Do you know what? I'm, I mean, I'm cheap. That tattoo not on your face. It would be a dope ass tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> it was like if I had that shit on the back or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's on your face. Holy you're like, shit. what the fuck? Yeah. No, I. I take a woo symbol just below the eye. I absolutely would. Five hundred k. Absolutely, man. Definitely, I'd take I, a woo tattoo. I am not tough enough to get like a woo teardrop tattoo over here. Like, I don't. <laughs> no, want, like, I feel like if you have that, people are going to test you, and they're right to test you. No, but remember this though. I'm forty odd years old in a village in Derby. No, no one cares. Like over here, I don't even meet enough people. Oh, they're going to start to care, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, hold on a minute. They have on questions. Minute. They'll have questions. Yeah, fair enough. I fair would, enough. I would rather fair like enough. open it up to advertise. I would rather like have a print guy right here Fuck that no oh no and, and like have them pay me monthly you know what i'm saying like, oh, no. I'm, I'm with bill hicks on the advertising if you're an advertising kill yourself that's the kind of guy i, oh, I can't wow. i can't do that but i do have a woo tattoo actually little uh, anyone who's into punk rock and likes titus andronicus who are one of my favorite punk bands uh, from new jersey i think um I went to one of their gigs and I have a woo tat on my arm, the woo symbol, but it's next to one of their lyrics and the lead singer couldn't get over that shit. He was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. You've got the woo next to my, I was like, yeah, to be fair, that's if someone had turned that me and I'd be like, yeah, holy shit, what's happening? Hey guys, this is Jerobi from A Tribe Called Quest. You're listening to The Crate 808 Podcast. Yo, yo, what's up, man? It's your man, Elzai, and you're rocking with The Crate 808 Podcast. You know what I'm saying? Where you can check out, you know, artists like me. Hey, it's Steve Rifkin from Loud Records. You're rocking with The Crate 808 Podcast. Spread the word. These guys are dope. The questions they ask and the interview is amazing. Enjoy yourself. Be safe and be healthy. One, two, one, two. You know what it is. This your man, S-K-Y-Z-O-O, Sky Zoo, live out the borough. And this is The Crate 808 Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, 
And most importantly, share that love and put your peoples on. Peace and light. This is Sarah Rock rocking with Crate 808 Podcast. And you want to check out everything hip hop on Crate808.com. Yo, this is Juggernaut, Nottingham City, NG area. You're rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast. Make sure you keep it locked in. There's so many gems drop. Crate808.com. Hey, yo, this is the one and only R.A., the rugged man. And I'm rocking with the Crate 808 Podcast with my man Cam. Yeah. So this album really does kick off my favorite relationship in rap music, mm-hmm. which is Ka and Rock. And the thing about Ka and Rock, they are very much like the 1938 movie Angels with Dirty Faces, uh, which Pat O'Brien, which is the, the scared person on the end of the gun, uh the movie is about like two friends who grew up in a bad neighborhood. And one of them becomes like, you know, the neighborhood tough uh, criminal dude. And one of them becomes a priest and, but still has some of that neighborhood in him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and is trying to get and, and like the, the criminal dude is like recruiting a bunch of kids and they're doing crime. And the, he's always friends with the priest, but the priest trying to talk him down. This is kind. Of, this kind of feels like Rock and Ka's relationship a little bit, mm. where Ka is always the recovering street dude, like yeah. trying to like yeah. reintegrate himself into the person he'd rather be. Yeah, right. Like yeah. Yeah. I want to let right. go of this anger. You know, I'm rooting for my sister. Like it's it's all these recurring themes of like trying to grow. Um, and Ka is like going deeper in sorry rock is going deeper into the street dude mm. you know mm. elephant man's bones is just like um awesome festering street dude you know yeah and so but they they respect the shit out of each other they love each other mm. and they're so different they're, they're doing such different things but the same way it's it's yeah i love it i love that analogy bro Clergy album, bro. We need that metal clergy album, like, like immediately. It's never gonna happen, bro. Uh, just honestly, rid rid about it again last year. Rid yourself. I've done it. It feels great. Rid yourselves of the weight of that, because then you just feel, oh, I'm free. That's what freedom feels like. And then when it comes, not rock and alchemist. Like they're they're giving me hope. They were all on tour together. Like (laughs) I, I believe. Yeah, that's true. I've heard a lot of rumors that cars just just work switches off work does some music work and it, I, I think that's just a massive thing in his life so yeah i don't know man but um tired as a firefighter no so, so, yeah firefighter yeah well that's why the track's called firehouse as well i think it's yeah, uh, exactly. firehouse yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he retired yeah. he got his pension that's what i heard oh he's retired sorry oh right because yeah, you don't you don't do that forever no, 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 of course. I didn't know he retired, though. That's interesting. That's oh. what I heard. Ah, yeah. okay. Well, let's hope we get some more music. Then. Metal Closure may be back on the table. I'm slipping into that wormhole. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I've stopped myself doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it just too, it hurts too much where it doesn't turn up. Um, but, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Slim with the fat pound back down most brolic door. Try to move, hit him in the face. Never again taste solid food. Same if I'm in solitude or with the wildest crew. Bulletproof down my coats like ghost while it's too. I run with a crooked tool. Look who escaped out Brooklyn Zoo. Fuck that queen. I show you what a night and a rooker do. New York City Bronson. Heat up quicker than Vinnie Johnson. The block got bloods now. It's like a mini Compton. To have honey smiling, need money piling. Bundles, bundles. Bundles, a hundred thousand That's why with my gun I'm browsing On a hottest strip to see who I gotta hit the start running housing 
I listen to my ear, respect my ego. If I need counsel, bounce through, check my people. I just want to dip into Firehouse. I know we talked about it at length already, Ooh. but I think just let's get into the molecular molecular details here a little bit. I think Carr on this, he's different. He's different to Carr now. He's Carr now. Every single line is like loaded, and this one, not saying it's faraway lines, but they set up a lot more the other lines, and it's a bit more of a journey. I feel. Um, he is verging on the Supreme already at this stage of his career. When he talks about, he says some lines in here that are unbelievably pertinent. He talk about envisioning your career years ahead of your career start, like properly kicking off when he says they get wet, wet daily. It's a live end water ride, slow and steady yeah. win the race, step aside, let the tortoise buy. Like that's his mantra, bro. <laughs> like that is slow and steady win the race, step aside, let me buy. Like it's that, that I love that. These other bullets he has on here, which are amazing, which is you never seen nothing like me. And for those who get it on nightly, you need a boost of strength. Put it on, recite me. I tore with toast because drama's always close. Feeling the waves, kill the praise, applaud my folks. Those moments when he's talking about like recite me, and it's just masterful. And it's like, how is he so good at such an early age? And he has this trait with Jizza where I th there's they possess similar traits. You can't build Car up as a as a let's build the rapper uh, without the DNA of Jizza. When he says, I listen to my id, respect my ego, if I need counsel, bounce through, check my people. Who else is talking about id and ego apart from woo and Jizza and shit like this? And then checks my people. I don't care about you people. I care about these people. And that's what Jizza was. That's exactly what Jizza yeah. was. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think there's moments in Firehouse, which again, man, you're getting an album. We're used to him giving tracks to people, but three verses, like fucking crazy. Crazy from... Because well, like didn't know Cox, I didn't know him from the Natural Elements days. Mm. And I'm just listening... And then the firehouse thing comes on, heard the rock beat. I'm just like, okay, yo, this is dope. Mm. The next thing you know, Kyle starts rapping. I'm just like, okay, yo, this guy, guy is dope. And I'll never forget after Jizza did the hook, Kyle came back again. I'm just like, yeah, he, he's got verses and shit, though. They got third. I'm like, oh, shit. I couldn't get over the, the third one. I couldn't. I was like, go. why he got three? <laughs> Let him go. And like, it was a sort of thing where like, I didn't hear him again till like, I mean, the next time I probably heard him was probably, um, yeah, um, Mossberg. Unlike um, unlike we doing this stuff and everything, though, because yeah. I remember that there was a period, like there was a period in time, there were three albums that for that whole entire year, I would swap out. I'd listen to one, listen to the other, then listen to the other, and was reloaded. Fucking um, grief pedigree, and then Oof, action yeah. bronze like rare chandeliers. Oh, yeah. what a trilogy! Twenty twelve, like, right in the center. And I remember like with that hearing like everything that like they were doing i'm just like okay nah like for us who came up on wu-tang mob d Nas, this is the evolution of that shit though this is the next stage and stuff though to where like it's kind of different but it's everything that you're familiar with mm. but just turned up and stuff though with this little bit of extra personality that they have and stuff to inject it into it and stuff and everything though too you know what i mean because mm. with car but then every time like i go back to like because being such a huge car fan now just always just like being be, like when someone's like, yo, when's the first time that like you heard Kai? You talk about this motherfucker like so much. And I'm just and I'm just, I'm just like, okay, wow, it was actually just off, just off the jizzle shit. Mm -hmm. And everyone that knows me, they get sick about the fact that I talk about Wu Tang so much. Cause like, <laughs> cause like I'm on somebody like, look, man, Wu Tang is such a fucking foundation. Now, apart from what they did, 
everything that is kind of exceptional, even till this day, you look back, your DNA is in that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because even like taking it back to, to like um, a Kanye West. Kanye West, like my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I remember like when that shit dropped, that was one of those albums that just melted my whole entire shit. But I just always think about the fact that like, look, track one, co-produced by RZA. Track two, Raekwon's on that shit. Track mm -hmm. six, RZA's on the And it was almost like you look at, even though, and even if, if it's not their album, you look at all the things that Wu-Tang have been connected to, this with the DNA strands and stuff, though, and like, it's fucking mind-blowing this stuff and everything, though, too, because for Jizza, because I remember, like, um, in the interview, Kai was talking about he just went to the studio. He didn't know Jizza, didn't know anything. He expected that it was going to be, like, a bunch of people in there, mm. and he just got there, and it's just Jizza and the engineer. And, like, he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just do my 16, and then he just went behind the booth, did the 16, and he said that Jizza was like, yo, you got more? And he's just like, um, okay. And then he just <laughs> he was, he told him he didn't know him at all. But for Jizza to be able to be on some, like, nah, this guy. Mm. This, this guy. I mean, this guy. You know what I mean? And then look at who Kai became. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like that, just that ear. And I think they like it, I mean, and that does make sense because, you know, because um, I always used to say this one thing, like, um, I always used to say, like, one of the things, like, when I when I get my rhyming shit or my production shit is that I always say that I'm surrounded by killers. Right. I got Iceberg. I got, like, kids catching my crew that when they rap, I'm just like, oh, no, nah, I hate rapping after this month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then picture what that was like for Jizza. Like, you walk into a room, Ghostface on the side, Ray on the side, Meph on the side, <laughs> Depp on the side. Mm -hmm. surrounded by killers and stuff though so you're gonna know no. you're gonna know you're yeah. gonna know even if it because um i was rocking with iceberg since like for back in like 2007 2008 right you know what i'm saying and it was a sort of thing where like i was on some like even though like he because this is back when he still had the name cyclops so even though like he went through that big ass leap when i heard him i'm just like oh nah this motherfucker this motherfucker's got it i just know and yeah. then when you just that whole entire leap, and I think that's the same thing with like Jizza, because like you know, because Ka, Ka from Firehouse compared to Ka now, you do see the um like the growth, but you listen to him back then, it's like nah, this motherfucker, nah, he got, got it. it, he got, got it. it. And just the biggest, the, the, the oh. biggest change that when I was listening to Firehouse and like thinking about Ka now versus then, this early period of Ka is really defined by trying to control your anger. Yeah. Like it's really <laughs> defined by like I'm pissed and I've been through a lot and I want to figure out how to not you know how to be a positive force because mm. there's too much negative and like about patience yeah patience yeah that, yeah that's that, that that patience run kind of I think moves all the way through Yen Lo and yeah. I think after mm. Yen Lo mm. like mm. Yen Lo really is about that it is kind of him getting rid of all that yeah shedding um, it. yeah true. he's really an mc who's to your point dan it's based on this trauma that he's gone through that he's been working out through on this album when i heard it i was like i was excited to hear this covers again like after so many ka albums and i was shocked by how much like his pen was already there like you were yeah. saying cam mm -hmm. but vocally he reminded me of all people of like infamous twin where he has like the gravel in his voice. He's gravel. Yeah. He's kind of shouting. I'm a big twin mm. fan. Love like I actually like the infamous mob album a lot, a lot, a lot. 
Mm. Uh, Special Speed Records. I had it on vinyl back in the day. It was like it was one of those like personal before the internet kind of things where you go to the record shop and you're like, oh, Mob Deep. I like this. Like, oh, this is Mob Deep. Oh, but this fire. This is so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that as a negative. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's still yelling, and that kind of fits in with rock on this album too, because. My theory of Rock Marciano has always been that Marsberg was his Cuban links. He was trying to reach the high water mark for his generation of MCs, which was Cuban links. Like, I'll argue that that's, you know, tied with Liquid Swords in its own way. But like in terms of influence, it was the most influential Wu album and the most influential East Coast. Sure. Like, started the whole mafia shit. Like, you know, yeah. Eli is. I don't mm-hmm. have to explain this. And then after he accomplished that and everyone was like, because everyone like liked Marsberg, like everyone who heard it liked that. I remember like I love being like, yo, what the fuck is this Marsberg shit? And it had a pitchfork review that like my man Douglas Martin wrote, like he badgered them into letting them into letting him review this indie hip hop album. Mm. And then after that, he gets to reloaded around the same time that Ka starts cementing his style. And he's like, all right, I'm going to lean back a little bit more. I'm going to pull the drums back even more than the Cuban link shit. And then that's when you kind of get this new generation because I think, I mean, I remember I want to put this out to everyone because we're all around in the two thousands. I was a frustrated hip hop fan because I didn't think shit was as good as it could have been compared to the nineties. And I feel for like so long, we were trying to like, kind of like slay that beast. Like, Oh, it's not as good as it used to be. And I always look at like that 2012, like on an underground level, it was rock and Ka and like woods, but I'm not going to pretend that I knew woods at the time. Mm. It was more like took him a while to catch on. Yeah. And then on the mainstream level, you had Kendrick that did the whole, like, Oh, we've got our Illmatic for the millennial generation kind of thing or our chronic or whatever, which is like, more on a pop level, but like respectable as an album. And then after that, I always thought that like this whole wave of creativity was able to like kind of go downhill from that, where it's like, okay, we can experiment, we can do this, that, and a third. And Which is away from Jizza, but like it, it kind of ties into Jizza was the guy who put them on that kind of positioned them to do that. Exactly. Absolutely. And I would what yeah, to, yeah. to add to that, Cam, I think the real important thing to keep in mind, all the information. Sunra gave you is important. Adding to it, I the first thing when I first heard Fly God by West Side Gun, yeah, I got on the phone with my friend and I said, The crazy thing about these Griselda dudes is they don't give a fuck about Jay Z. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, heroes, they're heroes, prodigy. Yeah, although so, Benny was doing 90, was it 95 Ho or something? There was a bit of he's younger, yeah. Yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, Benny you know, was a little younger though. This yeah, was true. a whole group of people who, like, at, you know, Rock Marciano was much more Sean Price and Ray than mm. he is Jay, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Ka is just like these were not people indebted to Jay Z's style, yeah, right? Mm. And New York had uh, incestuously mutated itself because of its love of Jay Z, right? Mm. It had. It had gone down the rabbit hole of Jay Z to the very bottom of the barrel. But, uh, but don't you think yeah. rock possesses this other dimension of Jay Z, like the darker timeline Jay Z, like and oh, no- the Wario, Jay Z Wario, yeah, Jay Z Wario, like is rock Jay Z Wario? You got to be able to like distinguish also between like Rhymer Jay Z, which I think all those people like, versus mm. like oh, I'm going to try and have Jay Z's career 
which was a one in a, you know, in a million, there's one guy who became a billionaire. Mm. Like, you know, that's not a realistic thing to expect to happen again, because that was, you know, that was a perfect storm. Like he was the right guy at the right time Mm. to be able to, and I'm not taking away from his business acumen or whatever, or his talent, but there's plenty of people that were good at business, but weren't there at the wrong time. And there's plenty of people who were like, you know, I'll put Jay-Z against OC. Mm. I'll put Jay-Z against, um, you know, any, you know, anyone from that, from Mm. that era. Like he says that he wanted to be common. If common would have been in Jay-Z's position, maybe common would have been the billionaire. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. True. No, absolutely. But then it's interesting how rock, well, I know this is driving away from Jizzer a little bit, but the idea of Jizzer is in all these people that we're talking about, but where rock went with the business model Maybe he is instigated by Jay Z's mm. ideas of why are we working in this system that isn't doing us any good? Just do your own system. Just I know I know Jay Z didn't do it as he did drastic stuff to be fair, but not as drastic as direct consumer. I am, um, you know, you have to pay me this much. I mean, he for- put that terrible album on my phone. That was pretty. I mean, that was terrible. That was drastic. That, that was drastic. drastic. That was drastic. I do remember that. Yeah, shit. Um, but yeah, sure. no, I, I, interesting how rock comes like uh, one of the appendages of the Jay-Z school, but just completely runs with it into, but not just Jay-Z, obviously he has Buster uh, as one of his peeps back in the day as well. Obviously he has fucking uh, Woo in his DNA as well. So he kind of is a makeup of all these different people as rock moved into this next era. And he's era. from Hempstead, Long Island. So he's got that yes. not quite in the city. Racking. I can be a little different, yeah. but I'm still yeah. in a good environment kind of situation. Yeah, the, the, the Jay-Z we're talking about that that these guys were away from was like the always wearing sunglasses indoors, always talking about Basquiat. Like that was the level we were at where it was like, this has become like a spoof. It's become an SNL skit, Jay-Z era. And like, so these guys were like, nah, man, I, I fuck with Prodigy. And I was mm-hmm. like early Griselda mixtapes, there were Prodigy interludes where he was, where, you know, he was talking and you were like, wow. But then this- you got to, you got to thank yeah. Al, right? I mean, Alchemist is the bridge between right. all this. Alchemist has right. done, right. done the early shit, moved into the rock era and then moved with that as well. That's when I got into rock was around, yeah, end of Reloaded, Marcy Berku. I'd missed the Marsberg train. I was more into Raider Clan, that kind of Space Ghost Perp kind of situation. I was. That's yep. where the Sonics, when I heard the Sonics of like Osiris, I was like, holy shit, what is hip hop yeah. doing now? Um, and again, that kind of morphed into something else. But I think when I went to Marcy Baku and reloaded and I was like holy oh. shit this is uh, and Action Bronson's another name real. that was yeah. really on my rotation like he gets shit on yeah. nowadays I feel Action Bronson but I'm like well Bronson was a I mean, beast a beast back then rare yeah. chandeliers man absolutely yeah. um, it's interesting yo quick rap related thing mm. did y'all listen to the UN album what do y'all think about that I like the UN album I listened to it yeah. after the I fact I listened though. to it after Marsburg yeah. and I like it a lot but that's that goes back to his higher pitch voice faster flow you're seeing him like it's crazy to me that when he was figuring his shit out he was still ahead of the curve for so many <laughs> yeah you went it's right up there, man. Yeah, Pete Rock, like all over that album, Large Pro, and like in 04 when no one was checking for them. Mm. And think about yeah, that, bro. bro. He's worked with Pete Rock, he's worked with Large Pro, he knows the boom bap, jazz, hip hop. He knows how these people work. So for them to him to do Marsburg is even more 
kind of genius, like to be like, oh yeah, well, I've heard Pete Rock do this for 20 years. Tell you what, let's lower that level and up that level and let's see where we go from here. It's, and I'm not like totally sure, but I, I think I read this somewhere, but I'm not going to have the quote. It was like, that album was originally supposed to go through SRC, Steve Rifkin's label. Uh, yeah, right. And like they, they let him go with it because they're like, yeah, the deal didn't pop off. The music industry Which album? Up. Which album is this? The first one, Marsburg. Marsburg, yeah. It was really done in that kind of like, you know, alongside the people who were, you know, who didn't make Cuban Links, obviously, but who put out Cuban Links and would have supported that sound. And they were in the end, they were like, yo, we're going to let you leave with it because our deal is not doing what we want it to do kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, he was fucking with either Matt Life or Scott Free. One of them was definitely yeah. an SRC that was responsible for being the A&R when he was doing the Mossberg shit. But eventually, just like, he had to put it out through Fat Beats instead. So, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. True Master or Fourth Disciple? Fourth. Fourth. Fourth, but Master has some funny of my favorite songs. Master, um, funny thing about True Master was like, um, this is gonna be on the skit for like the album with like me and Razor, with y'all around and shit though too. But oh, True Master, the funny thing about True Man Master is that if you look at it though, True Master came up with DJ Premier and RZA, because mm -hmm. True Master was a member of like Gangstar Foundation. Because like, remember when Guru had the Ill Kid sampler in '95? Yes, yeah, track on. It. And it was actually this one interview I saw where Gangstar was with Bradford Marsalis. True Master was right there just up in the cut because that's the whole East New York. Because when I brought that up to Razor, he was like, Yeah, you're right. Because, like, that's the whole East New York. Because apparently it used to be a True Master, Jizza, Jared the Damager. They all used to sell books and stuff and everything. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, yes. True Master, he came up around that whole entire just like squad with the whole East New York like connection. Mm -hmm. But then he also was a member of the Wu elements and stuff though, as well. So, True Master, he literally studied under Primo and Rizza. So I already got like a lot of respect for him, and he did arguably one of my favorite Wu beats of all time, like Fish off a of Ghostface. That's that's but, my shit. That's my shit. My God, yo, Fish was that like, shit. Is that how we connected with KRS too? Because they did an album like later, later, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The history shit, shit you said. Word. Yeah. I mean, same thing about that is that. But fourth, and anyone who knows me, fourth is fourth is just a different animal. As because I remember, um. September 11th, the September 11th, that's when Jay-Z dropped the blueprint. And I remember everyone was coming up to me like, yo, you heard that Jay-Z shit? I'm just like, nah, I bought the Killer Army. Mad motherfuckers like, who? You said me, but I swear to God. That was like a bad day for Killer Army to drop. Really bad day. At that point, I had about 200 beats. When I heard what Fourth Disciple did in that third Killer Army album, I went home erased everything i had and i started all over again wow. that album like really and plus i got a chance to speak to him and i told him that because it was on some like because literally if i would have gotten the blueprint i may not be the producer that i am now because when i heard because when i heard everything that he did on like um fear love and war the production how forward thinking he was even on that song sweatshop he's got the fucking weird percussion sound that's pitched down it's out of tune but it still fits I'm like, nobody else is thinking like, like this. Nobody else is literally making beats like this. And so I was like, I remember I, I said to myself, I erased everything I had. And I said, if I don't want to be half as good as this, I'm going to quit. Because mm. that's how much the album like changed everything. So Fourth Disciple, yeah, motherfucker, yeah, motherfucker is different. And then you hear like everything that, that, like you listen to a song like Science Project off of fucking um, Heavy Mental. 
whether he had the saxophone loop just going and then he had the different sounds just coming in and out. He had the gunshots, police sirens. He made that shit a fucking because Fourth Disciple is, is a producer who knows how to make an, an experience. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean, other people they know how to make banging beats, but Fourth Disciple knows how to make an experience, and that's why I will always put him just that high and shit though. Just in my opinion and shit though. If somebody else rocks I hear you, true, for me, man. for me it's True Master and Brooklyn Zoo. That's what I have. You know what me I mean? Too. Like I think uh, I Brooklyn Zoo. I mean, you, the torture off the Tikal two thousand, like MGM. Master's high is like, so high. Yeah, yeah his highs crazy. are classic, like MGM heaters on forever. Mm. It's crazy that you mentioned like those two albums, the the Kill Army one and the Blueprint, because it even ties back to what you were saying about Kanye West later, but early on in his career, the Just Blaze beats, the Girls, Girls, Girls. That was a beat for Ghostface yeah. originally. Yeah. And so that yeah. whole album was kind of built off of the Supreme clientele vibe, but cleaned up so Jay-Z could do his thing 100%. on it. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember buying that. I bought that when I didn't buy the Kill Army the day of. I just remember going downtown to the vinyl shop to buy it, and the guy was on the phone with New York because obviously, like, shit, shit was going. And here's yeah. this kid. I was like 17 at the time. Like, yo, let me get this Jay Z. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, have you not fucking <laughs> seen what's happening? Yeah, but no, I think yeah. it's a really thin line for me. But I think True Master might get it for me. Fish in there as well. Slang editorial, fucking slang editorial. Yeah. What yeah, a fucking. Yeah. I, think for, I think because of Fourth, he's the better album maker. But you're right. The True mm. Master might have those standout beats when it's like. Yo, you call him in for this. We need you for this play. Mm, He'll yeah. yeah. But again, both both amazing, to be fair. But RMS was cool too. This is like so many, so much talent in the woo that didn't all get it shot just because of the way the music industry was. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Imagine them now as a collective. It would have been incredible. Um, we were actually yeah. talking at the top of this, weren't we, Dan, about like how um It'd be interesting if Jizzle had had that collective around him. And what we talk about nowadays, where I just wish someone had talked to Q-Tip last year when he was saying, oh, people don't get together and work together anymore. There isn't that camp of whatever, whatever. And, and we were all like, someone, someone in his crew just say, have you heard of Backwards? You know, or like anyone right. that are doing stuff like that now, right now, you know? Um, so yeah, maybe these old heads just haven't got the right people around them. And, and Cigar made an incredible point where he was like, I wish like true master had been pulled in earlier right and fourth mm. side would be pulled in earlier and i you know i my thought process on this was like rizza was unreasonable when he started woo like i everything runs through me that's not that that unless you're manny fresh that's not going to work but it's the only um, way to get them to work though right otherwise they wouldn't have it was they sounded so but to me if, if he starts it and goes look it's me fourth true master mathematics like we're all going to spread this around mm. he gets to make more music like he gets to make more music and you get the deck album you want it you get you know because it's not all resting on him i wonder how I mean, that brings me though like we don't know when rizza the genius 90s producer who like every time he shows up he's got a new style stops and right. rizza like, I will just bring this up because I did see Woo in October. RZA came out and did a cover of Come Together by the Beatles, and it almost derailed the entire fucking show. Like, everything was going smooth. Like, it was Nas and Wu-Tang. They're bouncing. They're switching. It's like everything. everyone's into it. And RZA came out, and he was playing footage of Woodstock, and everyone in the, you could tell the room just deflated a bit and like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> 
Yeah, Do you reckon this is what it was like? They experienced that before we yeah. experienced that as a listener. You know I was about I mean? to say, do you reckon this is the footage we're never going to see? Where if you're on the fly on the wall, it's just to see the woo, or riding up, riding up, riding up. And then he comes in and says, hey, guys, I mean, check this got, out. We got it when he did the, when they redid the Beatles song on a better, was it a better tomorrow than one before? But like, mm. I have a feeling that, that, that they experienced that side of Riza before we did. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah he, like, he comes out and does Imagine and they're on the side passing a spliff like this. That's literally what happened. <laughs> they all went in the back. You could see they all got off stage like, we're not here for this. <laughs> but do you know what? Yeah, At this well, point, they're just like, look, there might be 10 people in the crowd who enjoy Bobby Digital, even the albums that are bad. And, you know, yeah. let them just have this moment. I, I, you know, Mantis is a really good track. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, fair. Exactly. Domestic violence is a very hard track to listen to. A very hard track to listen like, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think, like, that's the thing, because with RZA, I think, like, there was this interview he talked about he was in the record store trying to buy some equipment and one of the people there they got on him said that you're not a real producer because you don't play instruments yeah. and then RZA said that he tried to study music theory now on one hand he learned the music theory but then in Dawa Vu himself he said that like he kind of wishes that he didn't because yep. there was a lot of that Wu-Tang shit that was predicated on just not knowing what the fuck that like he was doing but knowing like it felt good mm -hmm. like and like as soon as he got to a point where oh like I can play a bait a Beethoven sonata, like whatever the fuck and shit though, but it's on some like, but dude, look at what you lost. Mm. Right. I, I always go back because I want to learn more as a musician, as a producer, whatever. And I look at him and Timbaland was the same thing. As soon as he learned how to do shit the right way, it stopped coming out the right way. Mm. And it, I want to learn yeah, more. I know what like, you mean. Is you it know, you never want to learn less. Like, yeah. The yeah, thing about it like, is it that it's almost like a half and half, because like you can because um a lot of my shit is like original music, like, and I'll sample myself and stuff, though, right? Yeah. But at the same, same time, I never, I couldn't tell you a fucking F sharp from an F one or McLaren. But my whole thing is that I know how to jump on the keyboard and make something that's 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 gonna make you cry, or make you laugh, or anything. Because this come, because because I, I don't know it from a, because my niece, like, she plays the violin, and right. she come, comes at it from a very technical. You have to be taught sort of perspective. And for me, I don't know what none of that shit means, but I know like. Choose the sword and you will join me. And then that, wah, yeah. wah, 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 and the room will explode like that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those things that bring up great points, Cam. This is where, like, hip-hop makes me feel like a stupider person. Because at some point, I started hating music theory for what it had done to my heroes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was just like, yeah. man, yeah. music theory fucked up Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I used to love him. Yeah, and he went and learned music theory, and then look at this shit, you know. Like, yeah. um, yeah. and so to your point, there's all these examples of like great producers who learn music theory and then they lost it. You know, that's why the youngsters uh, always are just the ones that we have to is the lifeblood, right? Because they're the young people that come out that don't maybe have that, and they just fucking smash it. You're like, what? Well, how did you do that? And then they learn shit, and you're like, yeah, maybe don't learn too much shit. It's mad, isn't it? Too much yeah. knowledge doesn't do the right thing. It's really weird. Yeah, I love a documentary on that. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that shit. The dark side of learning music theory. <laughs> the dark side of music theory. Exactly. Not even once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So there we go. Now, as we're going through our love for Jizza, we also dipped into his 2002 record, Legend of the Liquid Sword, and how it stands in the tapestry of the whole Wu Tang catalog. Check this. And I was looking at this as a 
as a just time travel going to go back let's see what people said at the time because i remember at the time when i heard it i was like yeah this is pretty decent it sounds a bit artificial it doesn't sound like earthy at all it sounds quite an artificial album that's what i thought at the time uh, and then i looked and pitchfork gave it 8.3 bro it gave it an 8.3 at the time this one yes yes Jeez. yeah and it's really in that really intrigued me because this is not an 8.3 album on anyone's no. scale. I don't oh. think Jizza would put it as 8.3. Uh, oh. Strong sevens, maybe. I can see that kind of thing. Sure. I but can see that. I was looking at 8.3 and I was like, this is intriguing to me. How Wu and the 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 enamor of Wu, the myth and the mythos of Wu and the what they come with, the baggies they come with, how they helped bridge the gap from mass publications of like print publications, most, you know, an MTV who, who loved the woo, let's be honest, to the birth of blogs and online review sites. And it sure. feels like, um, which rapper, you tell me, which rapper from the woo and outside the woo benefited most from that shift from mab mass publication gatekeeping to kind of right. online kind of reviewing i think ghost for me is definitely one who has benefited a lot yeah i think yeah. jizza came in with this album they must have just been so rabid about what Ray raekwon uh benefited as well right mm -hmm. because as you said raekwon bottoms out right yeah he can't play the major label system anymore mm. uh and he rebuilds himself through mixtapes yeah yeah he completely absolutely rebuilds himself through mixtapes and that mixtape world mm. has his back from then on there's artists like that mm. styles p mm -hmm. is like a mixtape legend yeah yeah and he'll never be in a place where he doesn't have love mm. because that's the way we were with mixtapes <laughs> yeah no you're right and like so there are people who mixtapes kept them running that didn't work for a lot of people. We one of the things we were talking about was like because we were like Jizza didn't really have the career one and a half, and some some figures the names said, um, "Who who in the you who in the Wu did? How many people did? Mm. You God didn't, mm. right? Like you know, Capadonna didn't, yeah, Masticilla didn't. Like there's a, how many people in there really made it out? And like the the weird answer to your question, like. How many people benefited from that space? All of them should have. Mm. Why? Why didn't Inspected Deck do a Bronze Nazareth solo up? Like, yeah, I think right? he did later. You know, at the height of these online blog and stuff, when he uh. started dipping into Zarface. Uh, that's like ten years after this, though, isn't it? That's yes, that's a yes. long time. And, and he links up with, but he links up with Esoteric and seven and those guys and mm. Seven L and they they know this independent grind right yeah yes intimately so he's like you know he comes in and just slings killer 16s and they organize it and, you know whatever yeah um but those guys weren't like and, and there's an artist that haunts this right with like so we're telling a story mm. we're telling a story mm. of an artist's mm. career through this art mm. and the story's become pretty available and present especially with this album mm. legend of liquid swords this jizza gives the template for ka to not be like this like yes. ka takes what he loves about jizza 
and then changes what he doesn't in managing his career up. Right. Mm-hmm. 100% he, agree. Right. He curates his sonic world. So he doesn't have to struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he is maintains independence, right. To a ferocious extent. Mm. Uh, so that he gets to keep doing what he wants to do. And he never sacrifices that. Mm. And like, this album has a bunch of songs that I don't think he liked making. But that, like, that now doing. that links into what I was saying. This is MCA. This is on MCA. Right. The next one's on Baby Grant. And Pro Tools are and Pro Tools are a different beast, bro. And we will get into that review. I don't want to tread right. on the toes right. of what I feel Pro Tools does for the industry, for, for, for hip hop's industry 10 years down the line. I think yeah. this is absolutely right. I think you I think I'm with you there. Is th- they these are the masters who laid the path before uh, the ones to come after, and they make the mistakes. You know, this is this is just a bit past the wild west. So there are rules, there are structures, there are machinery, there is a system of capitalism embedded in in hip-hop but what's interesting is that you can circumvent a bit of that and make it direct with your mixtapes with stuff like that i'd love to have seen jizza do mixtapes i'd love to have seen him and he has a dalliance we're going to talk about mugs a lot grew into a world of destruction abduction left many body parts floating on a hudson weather found in the ditch after the ride you hitch screams was high pitch from scars you can't stitch mutilated and decapitated white collar chicks just from his involvement in local politics his outfit stained with the blood of the slain while his backyard full of skeletal remains his goal in life was preparation for death then autopsy showed asphyxiation loss of breath was it this fascination for strangulation the lynches in the 20s was his inspiration unspeakable acts that made front page motivated by an unexplainable rage i had one for you here then bro because let's go into this this is my probably my favorite track off this and it's always one that comes to mind first and i think for me it's probably just best one of the best woo songs is on this album is luminal luminal oh and luminal bro dj mugs mugs yeah and okay, my mugs bias coming through, fair play. But it is mugs being weird. Mugs being weird. It sounds like he's uh, taken some really bad acid. He's fallen asleep. And the theme tune of Night Rider has just played all night to him. And he woke up and went really dark. And it feels like he's kind of made this real. Well, it's a flash forward to their collaboration, right? Like, what a duo. Bring me more of mugs and jizzer. Like, Yes. always bro look where mugs is now what mugs is still doing and i'm right. like if, if you know is it dark matter the one that would be muted and i think you know if jizz's dark matter ever drops it's it's probably got to just have mugs all over it for me but yeah no what do you think to luminal it, it, yeah i mean so the constructing album right mm-hmm. like you're, you're seeing a lot of one producer one mc albums now yeah. right yeah the communication's easier. It's easier to lock in, create a relationship, vibe off of each other. But it's also really fucking hard to all on your own kind of tie all these loose ends together mm. of all these different beats and organize the features and organize the cohesion and the track sequencing. And what are you going to do with the mixing and mastering? Do you have a vision for that? And if you can lock in with like whatever, Tell of Angel that's all going to get taken care of. Right. Mm. Um, Jizzy is not good at organizing multiple producer albums. Yeah. Which Period. is, which is, which is why, yeah. Look at his catalog and 
that's that's the evidence right there you're right you're right yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the thing because pro tools does kind of fly in the face that a little bit uh, but again it's like this there's mm. highlights there's not it's not a consistent through line where highlight 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 and who does that i suppose okay we, we live in a world of billy woods who does it all the time so you're like yeah mm-hmm. maybe that's just what we're used to an alchemist or whatever yep. but i think like looking at 2002 and then looking at something like Luminal, which I remember at the time thinking, this is just one of the best horror core serial killer tracks in hip hop for me. I love this. The beat as well, obviously, but it's this kind of horrific, gruesome tale of this guy, this killer, um, who's basically terrorizing this kind of, it feels like a small knit community, right? But he never gets caught. And that, I think it's because of lack of evidence or some shit looking back at it. Mm-hmm. And that as a kid, I remember at the time, and even to this day, I think it's such a good commentary on where we sit and America, like how money can advance your lust for murder. It's got a very American psycho vibes, this song and how images of like historical atrocities can go back to bite you through the lead character here. When he's talking about like seeing people like lynched and stuff, it speaks volumes more the most post Wu-Tang, like apex Wu-Tang songs. And I think it's great that it really did like, look at some of the lyrics go to that song. He talks about white killer, uh, white collar killers. Um, and he's even talking like, uh, as a kid, he killed three pets of an attorney. So his childhood passion could become a lifelong journey. Like what he went for an attorney's what the fuck. And then just talking about this guy, um, yeah, this is a lyric. I love this lyric. Mutilating decapitated white ch- white collar chicks just from his involvement in local politics. Like he's there's an undercurrent of um yeah. just where black people have had to struggle and it's almost akin to someone coming in there killing everyone and not getting done for it and that's what they have to deal with. And he's taking it to that and, X point, you know what I mean? And that's really one of the one of the hurdles that he has as an artist. Like so the story here is this, right? Mm. This is his worst album. Mm. Period. Mm. Um, the, and the story of this album is, I want to be a major label artist, but my skill set doesn't fit that of a major label artist. Yeah. Right? He's a storyteller. He's built for the underground. Mm. Right? Mm. He's built to tell stories build characters, build settings, right? Mm. Like plant you in places and walk you from A to Z. He's so good at that, Mm. but it's a lead single world, right? I mean, 2002 is getting into like ringtone era. Yeah. Where Wiz Khalifa's king, right? Like, um, yeah. And, And so big juicy hooks and simple songs that are fun and he doesn't fit that at all, but he doesn't want to go to the underground. He wants to be major labor. And you could make the case. Like, I, I, I just want to make sure that this is expanded outside of just all of the Wu had to figure this out. Of course. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember distinctly, I don't know why I remember this, but you know, M- MTV used to have a show that was like behind the video where they showed the yeah. making of a music video. Mm-hmm. And they they had one for Ghost, and and he there was a part of it where he, his crew is complaining about Cher Shayla Ghost, and about it being like you know too frou frou or you know too pop, mm. and he's explaining to them this is what it is now, mm. this is the market like this is what it hits <laughs> like you know um, 
And honestly, for Cher Shea the Ghost, like, this is also the music I grew up loving. Yeah. That says it all, though. That says it all. The fact that the camera caught that moment just shows that these guys had to fight and do these, like, you know, we're not in 1996 anymore. 1996 no. is light years away from 2002 hip-hop, in my eyes, now looking at it. Um, but I'm just looking at the underground in 2002 and thinking... Hmm. Was there a space there for these Wu members? Was there really a space there? Like they couldn't go, like where could they go? Like Raucous isn't really, like maybe Jizza could have worked on Raucous to be fair. Jizza could have worked on Raucous probably, I think. Um, so maybe that's one that he could have gone to. Uh, Stones Throw, probably not. I don't think so. Uh, what else is there? Cannibal Ox is out there, isn't it? So all that stuff's coming out as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know where the space would have been for them. I was thinking about this for them as well, right? Of like, but in different terms. In terms, because you were like, by 2002, Riz is not the hardest producer. Wow. Mm. Uh, I was like, who was? 2002, who was the, making the hardest beats? Don't say Swiss it, beats. <laughs> uh, no, I was thinking, my first thought was L, LP. LP, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, around this time, Pharrell is doing his thing, right? Is that, is that, too Pharrell is doing his thing. Yeah. But like, in terms of, gritty hardcore shit mm. that fucking cannibal Ox album mm. is pretty pretty crazy and but, like l stuff is pretty crazy so, but imagine yeah. 2002 jizzer so the aura of the woo is still very potent and vibrant and in your face and can make you blind if you look at it you know straight in the eye uh, right. is he is lp getting jizzer on any track at that point is has lp got the juice to do that at this point it would have taken woo a woo member like you just said there you caught ghost saying you know that's a hit guys this is what a hit sounds like it maybe you've took a woo member like master killer to go you know the underground right. sounds like this now by the way the under i don't know how yeah. aware of it they are yeah. well listen to q-tip right it wasn't q-tip last year where he's in 2023 where he said uh um I just feel like, you know, this this uh, camp of everyone getting together and doing stuff together just isn't around anymore. And mm. everyone was like, has, has he not heard of Backwards? Like, what the fuck? They're still doing that now. There are workshop yeah. camps of these people make putting great art out. And it just feels like someone is to sit next to Q-Tip and say to him, bro, just look at Backwards. Look at what uh, Alan... Uh, currency did or, or or you know what earl did those those camps that have been around for the last 10 years so um yeah very much into that in tokyo we were talking about who was making the hardest beats in 2002 right yeah. gritty hard shit um i i nominated lp um uh, because lp was doing his thing mm. who are who are you who would you be who would come to your mind 2002 let's see uh and everyone would agree because lp like um Around that time, because that's right after he did the whole entire joint for Cannibal Ox, and then that fantastic yeah. guy joined the stuff and everything, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, with the sound that, like, LP had and stuff, though, it kind of was, like, a futuristic version of that Bomb Squad shit. Mm. So, in terms of just, like, ruggedness, the way that he layers shit. And it's actually crazy that, like, you brought this, that you're talking about LP, because um yesterday on my YouTube feed, something just popped up. And um, I was watching this thing about LP and we we're talking about this right when Fantastic Damage was about to drop. And then um, he had that one joint, like, you know, I dedicate this to Matt too. Thank you. My name is LP. I produced my rap too. That tone mass damper shit. Even that beat alone with the guitars, the drums, the synths. Yeah, LP, he definitely had it though. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He definitely was giving me rhythm. I mean, what you said? If you, like, so we we're talking about, so if you're on a major label, but you're at the bottom of the major label at this point. Because you have your 
thing is crested, like alternative history, right? Inspector Deck gets fed up, be sitting in the in the side, and he pulls LP aside and says, "Why don't you make an album for me? Hmm. Just me and you. Like I'll rap, you produce, and like that." That would be an incredible gamble at that time because Def Jux is not charting in in the serious way, but it would have yeah. totally reinvigorated his career. The buzz would have been there. So mm. you will want to set the scene like I'm not trashing Jizza for these whack ass beats. Uh, I'm just saying back in this time, it was very hard to convince people to take risks. But they, you got to remember, listen bro. to this. So, sorry, oh, just, just just jump in, but do bring your point back. You, you're going to say to remember though, bro. Their lives are different now. They're relying on selling. They're relying on selling because they've come from nothing and now they have everything. They want to keep yeah. everything. So, but yes, yeah, go back yeah. to your point, please. I just want to. Put so the on. point I was going to bring up. There's a great. I mean, Noriega uh, has this incredible story about bringing the Neptunes to meet Nas for the first time. Mm-hmm. And being like, these guys are dope. These guys are the future. And like, cool, cool. And they were really cool. And then when the Neptunes rolled out, it was just Noriega and Nas. Nas was like, their pants are crazy tight. What is going on? <laughs> he was just like, says he, he was missing it because he was yeah. like, yeah. these guys are weird. They're wearing pink. What's going on? You know, like it was mm. just like, they was everybody had to be in the right space for to work together people were very concerned about selling out about mm. uh you know about not not staying true to whatever they were doing and so nobody took risks and and so that's what put noriega step to say noriega maintained a longer career more longer more fruitful career than a lot of people in the woo mm. it's hard bro uh, tokyo please chip in oh like um that makes a lot of sense for what like he was saying and stuff though, because it definitely was that sort of era where like okay, because before there was that certain time you can say around the eighties and everything, you know, and early nineties where everything was just kind of still being developed, so there was no sure shot formula. But around the time like you know like what like ninety four ninety five when Bad Boy just started beyond some okay you get this you get that which they took from Tupac, but like it was the sort of thing where like okay you make a song for the ladies it was almost like the, the right. sort of time where um. Remember when you start to read like interviews with people and then like there would always be this interview like, yo, this is my song for the South. This is my song for the strip clubs. This is my song for the um like um radio. Yep. Iceberg said the greatest thing to me ever. Iceberg, a couple of years we we're talking about this and Iceberg said he was like, yo, it's funny how many people are making shit for the radio that will never get played in the fucking radio. Right, <laughs> right. And like, yeah, so what you said, said too about once people got their formulas and everything, yeah. they almost became like, okay, this is our guaranteed thing just to make a hit. And like, with, with like, and going back to what you said too about like Jizza and everything, though, right? You know what I'm saying with just like picking out these beats and everything, though, too, right? And and it wasn't just the thing that was going to make him pop off and stuff and everything, though, too, but still being like, okay, nah, I think I got this figured out. Well, what you, especially what you said about LP, the fact that L, like, I feel like one of the biggest risks ever that we saw this really pay off was when LP got with Killer Mike. Yep. I don't think anybody saw what was about to happen this shit, though, because the combination was just so different. But then at the same time, it worked because LP with Killer Mike, it was almost like, I think 
the only thing I could compare that to was when Cube left NWA they went to a bomb squad. It was like on the terms of just okay, this motherfucker's a hard ass rapper, but give him something that's different, but we'll still compliment him and stuff though. And I think that like that's I think that maybe at that point and shit though, I think probably coming from the Wu Tang stuff and everything, though, from having a producer in-house like Rizza who was just doing back to back to back to back shit, to try and find some like somebody else, it was almost like, okay. I know what I learned from Rizzo. Let me see if this guy can give me this rather than let me get with this guy and just see what we come up with, though, because taking it back to inspect the deck, even the fact that he that he got on that on that czar face run, it was on some like, okay, this may have gone left, but it worked because because it, it, at the same time, it really just kind of kind of fit. So um, so I'm with you 100 percent, though, that like it's on some like. Especially with what you said, too, about the Neptunes, the funny thing is that Tony Yayo, I think he said like, um. He tried to bring Danny Brown to 50 Cent. There's a thing like Yayo and Danny Brown were like pretty tight, but then 50 Cent said the exact same thing. Like, yo, man, where's skinny jeans? Yo, we like, the pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, no, you taking a chance is different. It's art. Sorry, man. I was just saying, it's like every genre, though, right? It's like when hair rock went to punk and then punk turned to art punk that it was like new order came into place and then there was all so it's all these different places where you think if you're not wearing the uniform why the fuck are you in this room it's that that yeah, that's yeah, the exactly. thing that has died now that has died that died last 10 years that is dead bro like right yeah. even if you've got a face tattoo and you know whatever it doesn't matter now it doesn't matter and i think again these are the people who blaze the trail for us to be where we are now so interesting to look back and think this was a bit of a crossroads for well it definitely was a crossroads after this when he he dropped from mca jizza and i think um I mean, we're going to go into uh, Pro Tools in a bit and see how he manoeuvred around that crossroads and what it led to for hip hop as a whole. Taking it back to the whole Wu Tang thing, especially when I heard this album and stuff, I always felt like um, Wu Tang, apart from being the greatest group of all time, they had one of the most interesting fall offs I've ever seen in my life. Because Wu Tang, they kind of fell off from like where like um, they were at the height. But during that fall off period, some members were kind of the best that they ever were. A lot of people may rake me through the coals for this, and a lot of people may shit on me for this and shit, though. I don't give a fuck. I personally think, like, Jizza on Beneath the Surface was smoking Jizza on, like, Liquid Swords. The same way I feel like lyrically, Raekwon on Immobility killed Raekwon on, like, um, Cuban Links. Oof. I'm certain I can beat you. Okay, the way that I describe this woo shit about what made it, like, unique is that I always take it back to Ghostface. I always say that Iron Man is a perfect Wu-Tang album, but Supreme Clientele is a perfect hip-hop album. Because like, yeah. almost like Wu-Tang was kind of like its own thing, because even though it was 200% hip-hop, it still was enough of its own thing that when they deviated from that, it was like, okay, nah, this is regular hip-hop shit, though. Yeah. But I think the thing about Supreme was that it was regular hip-hop shit, but then RZA was brought in, and so he gave it that, those moments, the Iron Man cart the Iron Man cartoon loops and stuff, though, the fucking stroke of death where the fucking record is scratching like back and everything. Just stuff that you're just like, oh, nobody else would have done this shit except these niggas and shit, mm, though, you right. know what I mean? Mm, right. And I felt that, like, after a while, it, it was beyond just, oh, this beat is hot. I'm going to take a bunch of hot beats and then just put it together and shit, though. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, you know, and some of these ones weren't really that hot to me, but no disrespect. Nah, I ain't with you. Mm. Yeah, we're but, and then the crazy thing was that, you know, and then when, when once we talk about this, we're going to highlight the fact that, okay, when you do have the right elements, 
you get an album like Grandmasters with DJ Muggs. Yeah. I remember um, I was chopping it up with Hellraiser and shit, though. And Hellraiser was talking about when, Mug, when Muggs was about to do the Jizzard shit, though. Like, certain people in the camp were also like, yo, Muggs doesn't understand the Wu-Tang sound. Muggs doesn't understand the Wu-Tang sound. But I was like, no, I think he does. No, right. it's fucking he Muggs. really does. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, it's Muggs, and Muggs is going to give you that shit that it sticks out. There's, it's, it's, it's just not a beat. Muggs is going to make it an experience and shit, though, because mm-hmm. he understands that. Yeah. And I if they had people like we're kind of able to guide them in that sense like how Rizzo was the original guide that would have been still good man.